I am, dude. I'm a polygamist. <laughs> yeah. He knew you'd be back. I never left. Are you ready? Welcome to the Ridiculously Wrong Radio. Yeah, motherfucker. Take the Kool-Aid, you'll be okay. The Wicked Zone. America needs a tidal wave of the old time religion. Ridiculously wrong radio. We should get high for this podcast. Jesus was high. We should be high. God is the most high that you can get. Whatever we're calling God is just the most high consciousness that there is. Right. Count of three, I am going to smoke up. We're talking about some pretty heavy shit today. Yeah, you are God. I am God. We are all God. What are you doing with your life, dude? I'm not alleviating hungry families in Vietnam. I'm not alleviating their pain. I'm not doing anything of the such. Like, maybe we need to do something holier. Maybe I need to become a monk. I'll start the church of something, and you start your cult. Well, yeah, we're definitely going to Are you going to talk about your cult? Well, let's talk about it. All right, so how many official members do you have right now, Damon, in your cult? Well, let's not get ahead of ourselves. <laughs> I'm in the fucking call with you. I already agreed to. I already, I already spilled my blood, dude. You know, it's a pseudo joke. But it's not a joke. Go ahead. I would start this cult. Death. Well, here's the funny God. thing about it, right? It is a death cult. See, all these cults, they're missing something. The key to religious ecstatic experience is psychedelic ego death. That's the goal. That is the spiritual goal. That is. The reason why you take psychedelics, but other cults don't realize that you are supposed to die, but you're supposed to come back from that. And that's the experience that Christians are calling being born again. And it's that experience that actually makes a fundamental change in you, you know, that's noticeable. And it's, there's no effort put into that change. You know, when people are going into these Christian churches and they're standing up in front of the altar at these altar calls and they're saying, Jesus, accept me into my heart. They don't walk out a different person. But if you take enough psychedelics to die. Anybody who would like to join Damon's cult, uh, just give me a call, 305-8720, and I will explain the initiation rights. I will go through basic rules and regulations we have, and uh, let me know. What do you think about religion? I think it's a fucking farce, dude, if that's the correct word. I think it's a fucking it's, it's fake. Ideas connected with a religion are real, but religion is fake. It's bullshit made up. Crapola. But the things that go are attached to it are real. I mean, so it's, you know, like, do people go to Calvary Chapel and sit there in the fucking thing and sing and be all happy with Jesus and walk out of their better people? Probably. But, you know, oh, you're really not connecting with anything. You're, you're connecting with that belief. But Well, so here's an interesting thing, though, that might give you a slightly different perspective. It's, it's not that any religion is right over any other religion, but you can use any set of tools or methodologies to connect to the higher power look at joel osteen's a perfect example that guy's a motivational speaker but he can preach the religion and people follow him because he's See, i don't know man i think that's more along the lines of you know charlatanism you know that rhetoric because you were saying religion is a farce it's not i mean i was just the Joel Osteen thing, I think, is this is more like rhetoric. Like anybody can train themselves to sound like that without ever understanding oh, any of it at a deeper level. Remember this kid? This was the child preacher on Oprah. Oh, that little fucking weird kid? Yeah. Whosoever therefore 
wait just a minute. Wait just a minute, please. In your own word, tell us what does that mean? It means just what it says. I love that kid. I watched that like a month ago for some odd reason. Oh, yeah, because it was a where is he now? I saw oh, yeah. where is he now? Thing. Where is he now? He, he's like, uh, has nothing to do with religion. He's like, uh, he seems like a cool guy. He has a girlfriend or something. Yeah. So, you know, I love it, man. But it's it's bullshit. You know, no way. he doesn't. This is a kid who learned how to do this. Of course. but It's not that he has any deeper spiritual connection to God. Let me ma- say it like this. Example. Let's say there was a child his age who didn't have parents who were a preacher. Nobody ever taught him how to be a preacher, but he had a deep spiritual connection with God. It wouldn't sound like that. It wouldn't be uh, him, oh, fire and brimstone and the Lord yeah, Jesus will come that's down. Where, and- that's probably where his, that's his that kid's neighborhood. That's all they know over there. Well, that's like su- Southern Baptist pastors. I like- mean, yeah, you have the same thing in the black community. You know, you yeah, have right. those, those Southern black preachers who. Yeah, I would love to go to one of those black churches where they're fucking doing all that shit. The dancing and the fucking, the same kind of preaching. So Yakub, let's talk about Yakub, dude. It's called the Nation of Islam. You know, uh, one of the people who used to preach about this was Louis Farrakhan. Really? Yeah. And also Malcolm X. But Malcolm X, I think, in the end kind of moved was away. This their, was this their belief? This was like their religion. This is what they, they preached. No yeah. shit. This is really going to blow your fucking mind away. I'm interested. Okay. So this is another black alternative religion. It's called the Nation of Islam. And what they believe, basically, is this man's name is Yakub. And I guess Yakub is supposed to be the biblical Jacob or something. Right. Okay. But Yakub was a big headed scientist. He got the name Big Head because he had a huge head. Imagine was, if that's what he really looked fucking looked yeah. like. What they say is that he was this big headed scientist who lived a long time ago and they were dark skinned people. He discovered the gene right. that creates blackness and then over a period of thousands of years he bred he created white people. <laughs> okay. Yeah, they're saying that what cavemen are is that like they created white men and then the white men went and lived like savages in the right. in the caves, you know. But eventually they were drawn out of the caves by Moses, who taught them how to wear clothes. And Moses right. tried to civilize them, but eventually gave up and blew up three hundred of them with dynamite. <laughs> what is this? <laughs> the, so what's funny is they claim that this is how gorillas were created because at some point they got to white people and they were like, oh, this is fucked up. Some of the white people decided they wanted to get, become black again. They like were, it would have been that easy. Yeah. And then tried to become black through more genetic engineering. And instead of becoming black people again, they became gorillas. I mean, that to me sounds a little racist that white, that black people are, are just like white people trying to become black and then they became gorillas. I mean, yeah. that seems a little racist to me, but this is what they believe. That's crazy, bro. This isn't the only alternative black religion. You know, they also have the black Hebrews. Have you seen this? The black Israelites. Have uh, you seen those guys? Uh, you know, they wear these crazy clothes. They believe that they are one of the lost tribes of Israel in the Bible. So black Israelites. That's what they are. So, like, what's interesting about these guys is this is a common thing, these alternative black religions. And I think primarily that's because black Americans are kind of, like, disconnected from their their cultural history because they left Africa. So they don't have, like, a real strong connection to, like, the cultural history from Africa. So they create all of these, you know, alternative theories for... But what are they reading out of? That's that's the Bible. They read the Bible. Black Israelites read out of the Bible. They so preach what the Bible. he was saying based on, uh, you know, they they are hardcore Bible. They are anti-gay. They are. I mean, you know, is that what it really says in the Bible? Is that what it really means? I mean, you know, he. I've seen them, for example, read a verse out of the Bible where it says the scripture is for the Jews only and not for all these other people. 
And that's not like a typical thing that you hear come out of the Bible, but it's one of the things that these Jew, you know, these black Israelites like to quote because they're, because they basically are saying, no, the, the word is not for everyone. It's only for the Israel, the Israelites. And we are one of the lost tribes of Israel. Okay, but so are they trying to get followers? Well, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, they recruit and shit. Do you want to become one? No. No, it's so. just like I say, bro. Where, how, where do you ever want to stop on the rabbit hole? Because that's always the, it's just levels and levels and levels and levels. There is a church called the Church of the Flying Spaghetti Monster. I've seen everything now, dude. It's interesting. I mean, the name alone. The thing about this is it's an atheist religion. It's basically a joke religion. I think atheists are just people who are having the realization that God isn't the sky daddy that we've created. And so they have this revelation that there is no God. And it's like, well, of course that God doesn't exist. Atheism is what you believe when you discover that your childhood conception of God isn't real. <laughs> it's like, well, maybe it was a lot deeper than what you conceptualized as a child, you know? Remember how we were talking about that all truth is universal? If it's not universal, it can't be truth. Right. Well, one thing that's universal is that all human beings will contemplate God. Whether they've been taught about it or not, they'll contemplate a higher spiritual reality. Yeah, I agree. We're like the religious ape. So go ahead. So let me tell you this concept and tell me what you think, okay? So you are all experiencing being me. Do you understand that what I mean by that? Uh like no matter who anybody is, everybody's experiencing being me. And everybody's universe, they call themselves me and everybody else is you. Right. No matter who anyone is, they're always experiencing being me. Right. Now, it's not that they're always Damon. I guess you. It's that they're always experiencing being me. So no matter who anyone is, they're always being me. And if there's only one being, let's say if everybody's being me, then it's the same being within all of us. And it's always me. But that's always God. Yeah. It's always you. It's always me. It's all, I, it's me in every being, you know, this is yeah, what to me, it's not fucking hard to figure out. Like the fact that some people can't figure out. I mean, like Mo just, when, when Moses came down from the mountain, the Hebrews asked him, you know, what is God called? What should we call it? And he called it, I am what I am. I am whatever I am. Come on. Yeah. You know, he was tripping. Balls, I think, dude. I think he probably was, but he's saying God is the great I am. It is the thing within all of us that says I am this or that. I am Damon. I am Jake. Just I, I am. am yeah whatever I am being I, at any particular time, right? I. What this means is that you are an eternal being that exists outside of your own self as Jake because you exist as yourself within everyone else at the same time. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, that's a trippy-ass concept, but in philosophy, they call it solipsism, which is like the belief that you're the only one who exists. Okay, well, there's something to that, you know, because it's not that Damon's the only one that exists. It's that there's only one being, and for some reason right now it's Damon. Right. You know, and that's actually significance. Why am I Damon? Of all the people that I could have been in all the time periods throughout the world, why would I be Damon now? Yeah, you could have been saying that in another lifetime. Why am I, or why am I whatever? Well, you probably name. always were. Right. Always wondering. I think, well, I think our consciousness just keeps going. Yeah, oh, no doubt. Everything is me. I was always here and I'll always be here and I won't always be Damon, but I'll always be me. Oh, did you see the satanic temple erected a Baphomet statue in front of like some state? Yes. Building? And that thing is fucking badass. 
I mean, listen, that's the devil, dude. That's what the devil looks like. I guarantee it. Put on <laughs> Anton LaVey. That dude's creepy as fuck. Yeah. He's like the leader, right? Supposedly. I mean, he was the leader of like the original satanic temple or, you know, but this isn't like, these aren't the same Satanists who are like doing sacrifices and they're like political and it's yeah. about, it's like the idea of Satan they don't is... Do, they don't do chop up kids and shit. Right. It's right. like, it's just like, do whatever you want. Be hedonistic and right. embrace hedonism. Like, that's their idea. And, you know, they talk about Satan like it's self-empowerment right. and doing whatever the fuck you want. But, you know, that when he died on his deathbed, he panicked and he said, there's something wrong. There's something wrong. There's something wrong. Those were his last words as he died. Hmm. So, That's yeah. interesting. Yeah. But anyway, it's bullshit because the problem, the reason that they're doing this is because they want to erect the Ten Commandments. And then they do these stupid antics where they say, well, if you want to put up the Ten Commandments, then we're going to put up this crazy Baphomet statue with children looking up at it. I mean, it's fucking ridiculous. But do they have the right? Sure. People have the right to be evil. Is it is it a good thing for us to elevate the the Ten Commandments? The Ten Commandments? Sure. But do we need to have a statue? Well, not, not any more than we need to have this thing. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. But I don't have a problem with them putting the commandments up. I think it would be awesome. I, I just... The satanic church doesn't even want this statue there. They just want them to take down the Ten Commandments. I mean... Oh, where are the Ten Commandments? I don't know if they've actually erected right. it or put it up inside the courtroom or something like that. But, you know, it's basically leave it out or we're going to put up this Baphomet statue. Oh, right. It's an ultimatum. I mean, I, I don't know where it comes from. It's innate in me. It's my inside brain that tells me the Ten Commandments... Are the you can't break those. That is some some sacred about that. Can you recite them? I don't. I probably could pick a bunch of them, but and right now I don't. I don't know if I could. Give me an hour. <laughs> I might be able to. Have you ever heard of a cargo cult? No. You know we know of a few cargo cults out there in existence today. What happened here is like a World War II pilot landed on their island. I think it was in Polynesia right, or Vanuatu. Right, right. It was Vanuatu. Right. And gave them you know goods. Flour, cigarettes, whatever the fuck, Coca-Cola, you know, who the fuck knows. Right. And the tribal people basically create an entire religion around this guy. Oh, they, they worship this guy named John Frum, and they actually build runways and oh, effigies of planes. And once a year, they go and they do these rituals where they try to call John Frum oh, back. Shit. Yeah, very interesting. Yeah. In fact, they made a movie about this called um, The Gods Must Be Crazy, in which... An airplane flies over Africa. It was a comedy, though, right? Yeah, it was yeah. a comedy. And it's a comedy, but it's in the style of, like, a documentary. And some pilot throws a Coca-Cola bottle out the window, and the Coca-Cola bottle falls in the middle of this African tribe, and they find it, and they think it's magical. And, you know, that's the idea. Okay, probably got fucking zooted <laughs> off one sip of sugar. <laughs> yeah. Praise the gods. Give us more Coca-Cola. Yeah. So, but but it's interesting because you realize it's so easy for people to fall into that. And when you think about all these ancient alien theories, it's very easy that like if we had been visited by some beings from some other place in our ancient history, then certainly we would have thought that they were gods. I mean, listen, right? it either is or it isn't. Here's an idea. What if the crafts that landed in our prehistory they were shaped like a pyramid, and that's why that we built pyramids. In the same way that these cargo cults build effigies of planes because they saw them land. Look at that. Either we have aliens here, coming here, being here, have always been here. Either that's really happened, or it hasn't. Well, obviously. 
Thanks, I thanks, know, buddy. <laughs> I know, but what my point is is like, come on, dude. How long have we been doing this? Like, there's so many people that believe so many things. Either that that's real or that's not. If you're asking me my opinion, I believe definitely that they're here, they're out there. We fucking whatever. I just don't know how it's been kept a secret for so long. Well, like, there's a who lot. Who says of that it's been kept a secret for so long? It's just that that when you tell somebody about something, they create an image in their mind, and that image in their mind is not the reality of the thing. You know. So when I say angel if i say angel to you you have a picture of like you know robes and wings and you have this picture in your head of an angel and the reality of what an angel was is totally lost because you've created this cartoon in your head about what it is if again if you want to go back to all truth is universal the fact that there is universal stories or stories about gods or beings from another place that's universal in humanity and culture so it would suggest i think that there's some validity to the stories right so the anunnaki were these people who lived on another planet the planet was called nibiru every however many thousand years the planet would get close enough to the earth and the people would come onto the onto earth and they started mating with our women Right. They started basically mating with the women on Earth. The Sumerian stories say that they actually biologically or genetically engineered, you know, a human hybrid species so that they could work because they needed workers to work in the mines. An interesting idea is that what if all civilization as we know it comes from this alien concept that maybe we never would have developed any of it at all had there not been some alien intervention? I mean, look at this, for example, though. People did not create art back then that wasn't real to them just like we do today that was freaking real somebody i mean people use symbology today why wouldn't they always use symbology i mean one of the things that make us human is that we create symbolic art and language so when they talked about flying entities like angels they would draw them with wings that didn't mean that they had wings in reality it meant that's the only way to depict it in a physical representation how do you represent things that are conceptual and not physical in art you have to do it like that the thing is that this this alien connection is in a lot of the the books of the Bible. It's also in a lot of the apocryphal books, the books that were left out of the Bible. People having experiences that are supposedly or could be interpreted as UFO experiences. Ezekiel sees a wheel. You know, uh, Enoch goes into some kind of spacecraft and peruses through the entire solar system so we're from the what the bible so the book of enoch is right. an apocryphal book it was left out of the bible but the book of enoch was like quoted by people in the bible and i don't know how much validation i put towards the bible yeah well i mean the thing I is you know. have to be able to pick out the truth behind the myth people seem to think that you have to like believe in the bible everything in the bible is true or something that's fucking ridiculous no I, i'm not saying that. it's a it's a collection of ancient sacred texts that people have been giving spiritual validity to for thousands of years. Yeah. So, I mean, people have been, these are like the ancient scrolls. You understand? It's like knowledge from as far back as we can remember. Oh, as far as what we have. Yeah, sure. Right. Well, that's why they're significant. It's, I mean, it's a set of books that has information in it. There's information that can be, yeah. that's relevant that we can learn yeah, from. Okay. If you want to look at it that way. It's super weird how the Bible is very, you just know it's old and you know the way they speak is old, but. There's still, it's these, all these fucking different stories that really are ridiculous, but then there's real parables that are involved that like you have to fucking, you can learn from. Yeah. Well, that's the thing is 
A lot of people say, if God was real, then he should reveal himself to us. If God was real, then you should be able to read the Bible and you could understand it clearly. Yeah, but, but that's what it says. That's what Jesus says, all right? Come to me and... Well, not exactly. Jesus actually said, when the disciples came to him and they said, why do you speak in parables? And he said, so that most will hear and not understand. It's only for the chosen. It's only for the elect. It's only for those who overcome. Yeah that the truth is revealed. So it it wasn't just laid open for anyone. Yeah. It's actually the truth is hidden by secrets for only those who can, what, transcend their limited cultural perception of reality. Did you go to Sunday school when you were a kid? Fuck no, bro. A couple times, but that's it. Dude. Do kids who don't go to Sunday school, do they learn all the Christian songs? Huh? Father Abraham. Have many no. sons. I never sons went. Had I, I went five Abraham. times in my life, bro. You don't know that song? I went. No, I went five times in my life. <laughs> Let's talk about Father Abraham. My nigga. So Paul wrote this in Galatians. He says, this is Galatians 4, 20, It says, for it is written that Abraham had two sons, the one by a bondmaid and the other by a free woman. Uh-huh. Now he says, which things are an allegory? For these are the two covenants, the one from the Mount Sinai, which gandereth to bondage, but Jerusalem, which is above, is free. So he's saying, so it's written, Abraham had two sons, but these things are allegories. You know, it's, it They're is, actually two covenants. So the Jews and Muslims are fighting over these fucking brothers. Well, they are the brothers who are fighting. <laughs> right. Is that what it is? Yeah. They are. Whoa. See, so... Or, no. Yeah, listen, like Paul is saying that they there were never two brothers at all. Paul was saying it's an allegory. Right. It's actually two covenants. God made a covenant with this group of people That's a pretty cool and one. with this group of people. And he says and that there. He says it, yeah. He says it's an allegory. That's cool. That's also something, you know, they're not talking about in Sunday service, right? Oh, it's an allegory. I mean, if you go back into the history of, of Judaism and Islam, I mean, they're both pretty crazy you know they i mean abraham was crazy you know yeah, we don't I mean, know was he crazy if god told him to do that why do we always discount somebody if they say if somebody says god made me do it do we really know that maybe god did how the fuck do, 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 did we define a line that that god would not have made you do that we've already defined that line that anything you do in the name of god is crazy you're a freak well right now you have radical islamicists like isis who are literally killing people for being secular for being gay dude and they're saying that god told them to do it right so i mean do you think that god told them to do that or do you think that they're fucking insane i, I don't know i think for me to offer an opinion on it is not even not even fair dude that's it that's bigger than so let me way. ask you this question then. There's uh recently in the newspapers there was a woman who drove her kids into the ocean and tried to drown them and she claimed that they had a demon in them. The man at the compound in New Mexico was doing some kind of child, you know, ritual sacrifice of the child to resurrect him as Jesus. This thing this infanticide by mothers happens all the time where mothers go crazy and they think their kid is a demon and they try right. to cleanse the child of the demon. We put those people in prison. You think that it's possible that there's some no i think there's no i think she's wacky okay. but am i discounting it could be true fuck no that what could be true that maybe god told her to do that possibility dude. what is god that you're saying is telling her to her do voice, something bro, in the right fucking voice okay so the voice in her head yeah. so that's what you think god is is the voice in your head i mean i, yeah, absolutely. I mean to a major extent for sure yeah okay know. so well if if you're saying that god is the thoughts in her in your head then it's a hundred percent definite that 
it's true that the thoughts in their heads said you should kill them. Right. Okay. Just like Abraham. Okay. So, but that's the problem. I mean, if I came to you and I said, dude, I've been thinking I have to kill this person because I think there's evil inside them. Right. What would you say to me? I would say, I think you need to talk to somebody, dude. Okay. That's not so normal. is that, but then what if I said, that's a hard pill to swallow that God's telling you to do that. Well, but, you but, if you, you but you just said that God is just the voice in your head. Right. Well, it's definite that the voice in my head is telling me to do it. Right. So there's no difference between if the voice in my head or it's God. It's just me thinking or it's God. If you're right, saying God is just thinking, then but then if if God is just the thoughts that you have in your head, the fact that you had those thoughts certainly wouldn't excuse you for doing something of horrendous. Not. But right, well, yeah. why did you kill that person? You're like, well, because I thought about it. <laughs> Let's say you had a wife and a, and a son, and your wife came to you and said, "Honey, I know that you don't understand, but God is telling me that I have to kill our son. And I have to do this." I mean, what would you say? You're fucking crazy I, I wouldn't say it like that I okay would. but that's the sentiment <laughs> uh isn't it yeah but i wouldn't show her any less love i i would i would realize that there's something wrong one of the first things that you learn in when you find god or you find enlightenment is love and to be open and loving to everybody but you have to at some point wake up and find where and start drawing your lines Dude, i have my lines trust me i have my lines but if if it was a if your wife was trying to kill your son that's not the line i mean for fuck's sake the, what's the you, fucking first line first of all you said talking about it now she's okay trying okay to? no she came to you she's trying to do it she's telling I would you get she's her fucking help it. i would say there's something wrong with you we need to get you help but would i love her any less no i would my heart would break for somebody that was going through that like because that's not a normal thing no dude if you're having thing, thoughts of killing your kid there's something majorly fucking wrong with you and if you tell me god told you to do it i would just it would be the same level of crazy i would feel terrible and see what could you do to help that person go through the, yeah know? i mean in my mind the idea that god told you to do something doesn't excuse any negative of action course that it you doesn't do I mean, if you go back to like biblical history, Moses, you know, he went and took over Canaan and they killed all the men, women, and children. And even the livestock couldn't even leave the livestock alive, you know, kill everybody, show no mercy. And they say God told them to do that. I mean, right now, today, there's only one other group in the world that's following the same Abrahamic God. And they mm -hmm. claim that God's telling them to kill people. <laughs> it's ISIS. Right. So... When I gave you the example of Abraham is trying to kill his son, you have a little more question. Let me ask it to you in this way. At some point, Abraham thought to himself, I have to cut off the tip of my own penis for the sake of God. Yeah. <laughs> is that crazy? Yeah. Of course it's crazy. But if he told me, he came up to me and said, listen, I got it. I'm thinking about cutting the tip of my penis off. I'd say, listen, dude, I think same as the fucking lady wants to kill her kids. It's you got issues, dude. There's something wrong with you. We need to get you help. And you know, what about pain ritual? I mean, circumcision is really a pain ritual. I mean, people do crazy shit. They put fucking skewers through their face. You know, there's people in South America somewhere that they literally crucify themselves like once a year or something. Like they literally nail themselves to crosses. This is like the origin of tattooing. You know, it's like question is why? Well, one of the ways that you reach ecstatic states of consciousness is through pain. Like you could meditate for 15 hours. Yeah. Or you could take psychedelic drugs. Yeah, I mean, people cut themselves. Or for you it. could cut yourself. Either way, you're going to create, you know, an ecstatic experience. That's the idea. So, like, the Native Americans did this thing called the Sundance. I mean, people are doing it now. It's where they put those hooks in their chest and they hang from, like, right. a tree. Right. An interesting concept about circumcision is people are putting themselves through pain in order to experience something on a higher level. Usually happens as part of, like, a rite of passage. You go from being a boy to a man by going through this ritual, right? There's an African tribe that takes a razor blade and they cut little dashes in your, so that your, it scars up right. like an alligator. Right. 
right? And then you're a man. Okay, well, so the interesting idea is that maybe the reason that Hebrews were circumcising babies is because you wanted to put the child through that experience before it was ever even conscious enough right. to think about it. So it would have already gone through the ritual. That's on a deep level. I don't... <laughs> Here's the different idea of the story. The typical story is that Abraham, he was convicted that he had to give up his most valuable thing to God, and that was his son. So he takes his son up to the mountain, and he is about to sacrifice his son, and the Christian dogma says that an angel stopped his hand. Okay, I would argue that the reality of the story is much more significant, and that is that this was the first time that Abraham realized that he didn't have to listen to the voice in his head because he had been compelled by this incessant voice that we could almost describe as like obsessive compulsivity today. I have to do this or something bad's going to happen. Uh, I have to do this or God's going to be mad. I have to do this or God's gonna be, God's telling me to do this. God's telling me to kill my wife. God's telling me to cut my foreskin off. God's telling me to do, do they have kill people my people that philosophy today that live like that under that rule? Well, schizophrenic people and people who are obsessive compulsive, I think we're likely experiencing something similar to what he was experiencing, just being compelled to have to do something, some ritual in order to satisfy God so that something bad won't happen. I mean, I knew a girl, she used to be super obsessive compulsive if she didn't turn the doorknob, you know, a certain amount of times that her mother would die. Like really weird thoughts like that. But so, so think like what this story is really about is that Abraham for the first time was realizing, I love my son. And I don't have to listen to this obsessive voice. I don't yeah. have to listen to the voice in my head. That was the revelation. <laughs> and in fact, if God is trying to teach a lesson through this story, it's don't blindly follow the voice. Why don't we really hear about ISIS right now? Because Donald Trump beat the shit out of them. That's why. In a single in a single was year. Were really an ISIS though? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a, a lot of it was created and funded by the United States intelligence. All right, thank you. That's all I wanted you to say. I wanted you to agree that that was true. Well, listen, it's not even a question. When Ronald Reagan wanted to fight the communists in South America, he was unable to get approval from the population to go to war. Right. So what did he do? He went to the CIA and they trained a bunch of Contras to fight the war for them. Yeah. Okay. So we couldn't go to war against Assad in the Middle East under Obama. People weren't going to agree to that. So what did they do? They sent a bunch of weapons to ISIS and they said, go fucking fight them for us. That's what happened. It's not that we started the charter. Yeah, that's, how it huh? that's how it happened? I mean, look, well, for, well, it goes back a little farther than that because we destroyed Muammar Gaddafi and then we left this power vacuum in the right. area and all of these radical groups started rising up and taking control. And then, yes, we our intelligence went in, found one of these radical groups. Gaddafi was before, the, was after... Uh, was after Saddam Hussein, yeah. Yeah, I, you know what? It was weird, too, because, I mean, when you look at Muammar Gaddafi and the way that he ran his country, his country was very well off. They lived very well under him. And there weren't terrorists. Right. And then when they killed him, all shit broke loose, so... Yeah. There's literally now open-air slave chattel markets yeah, in really? in Libya, okay? Yeah. Believe it. Where, show me where in the Quran it tells somebody to kill somebody else. Really? Yeah. I don't know. I'm asking you. Oh, wow. Okay. There are some verses of violence in the Bible. The difference between the verses that are violent in the Bible and the Quran is that the verses in the Bible that are violent are usually secluded to the time period. You know, this this is like the laws of these particular people at this particular time. Right. And they're recorded in the Bible. It's not saying that people today should live by those laws. It's recording the laws of the people of the time or, you know, or the commands during a war, for example. Okay. 
Anyway, here's a couple verses from the Quran. It says, Allah's apostle said, The hour will not be established until you fight with the Jews, and the stone behind which the Jew will be hiding will say, Muslim, there's a Jew hiding behind me. Come kill him. Allah's apostle said, I have been made victorious with terror. Then fight in the cause of Allah and know that Allah heareth and knoweth all things. Okay, so this is a command. Fight in the cause of Allah. Okay, another verse. Quran 2, 216. Fighting is prescribed for you, and ye dislike it, but it is possible that ye dislike a thing which is good for you, and that ye love a thing which is bad for you. But Allah knoweth, and ye know not. Right. Okay. The next one says, As to those who reject faith, I will punish them with terrible agony in this world and in the hereafter, nor will, will they have anyone to help. Listen to this. Soon shall we cast terror into the hearts of the unbelievers, for that they joined companions with Allah, for which he had sent no authority. You know, strike terror into the right. into the hearts of the non-believers. This is, it's a command right. from Allah. The thing is Do that... Do they carry it with them just like we carry our Bibles? And, yeah. And they go deeper, you know, the most religious of them memorize the entire book. And they pray three times a day? Uh, yeah. Bro, that they're encased in that. I mean, you're, you're praying three times a day. I'm not really sure how to figure that out. Like, where'd that come from? Where, who, who actually wrote that? So, Muhammad was, he was visited by an angel. He went to a cave and meditated in this cave and... This angel appeared to him and he started reciting the Quran. Before Jesus or after Jesus? This is after Jesus. And the story says that he ran home to his wife, afraid, and said, I saw a demon. A demon was speaking to me. It's his wife who stopped and said, it wasn't a demon. It was the archangel Gabriel and he's coming to give you a message and blah, blah, blah. And then he basically then wrote down the Quran, which is supposed to be the divinely inspired words of God. Now, the Quran was written over his lifetime, so a lot changed in that time. By the end of it, he was a warlord. You know, in the beginning, it was, he's just this guy who's having these revelations and he's trying to spread the word, but he got to a point where he started conquesting to spread the ideology. He ran to his wife saying he was talking to demons. So if he thought he was talking to demons, then why should we think he was talking to God? Wow, dude. The Kaaba, you know, this building that the Muslims circle, it used to hold idols and Muhammad took control over it. So like Muhammad came into Mecca and trying to give the religion of Islam to Mecca and destroyed all the idols. Muhammad destroyed them. Right. So Muhammad in the beginning was just going around trying to spread his religion. And then eventually what happened, he, you know, he wasn't getting enough followers. And then it turned into you have to submit or we're going to kill you. And he was going and conquering territories and changing them to Islam. And this is part of the problem with Islam is because it's built into the religion, this conquest for the religion with the the sword, you convert people, convert or die. You know, that's from the very beginning. You know, imagine if Jesus was a warlord who was chopping people's heads off. You know, Christians all fall short of trying to emulate Jesus, but all Christians try to emulate Jesus. Now, the problem with Islam is that Muslims try to emulate Muhammad, and Muhammad was a warlord who killed people to convert them. That's the problem. Jesus fucking Christ. Guy, these guys are brainwash bro because of the rhetoric they've heard their whole life so what is what is that yeah well brainwash indoctrinated that's the word these fucking guys are so indoctrinated i mean that's an evil place bro it just is evil place how do they preach love bro when they kill when they cut your head off for not being isn't it god's job to judge the abrahamic religions were fucked up i would go so far as to say and this is super controversial but i would say that the old testament god was satan the god that didn't want you to have the knowledge of good and evil the god that wanted to keep you from 
wisdom, the God that wanted you to kill all the men, women, and children to take their territory. Who, what God is that? It's Satan. And who is Christ? He represents a rejection of that interpretation of God, you know, a fulfillment of the revelation of what God is, which was love and compassion and peace. And it's like, no, I didn't tell you to kill people. I told you to love each other. What the fuck is wrong with you? Yeah, bizarre. Look, this is a map of the spread of Islamic invasion. Wait, well, I'm saying, how old is that? What does it say, 2010? 15? 15, two, three years ago. I don't think Muslim Islam is ever going to spread to China, so I think they're safe there. <laughs> well, China doesn't fuck around with this shit. By the time that the Crusades happened, they had conquered fucking Italy. You know, they were all over Europe. They were in Northern Africa. They had taken parts of Italy. You know, they were all over. And so at some point, these people were like, fuck this. And they fought back. And that's what the Crusades were. Because yeah. people will always say, well, Christianity is just as violent as Islam. What about the Crusades? Excuse me? The Crusades were to fight off Islamic invasion they were trying to take over the world literally they have been actively jihading for 1400 years when Fun. when i when i was making this uh poster I, at first i was like well i gotta have muhammad in there but you can't you know you can't draw muhammad you know that do you remember that there were cartoonists that got killed for drawing right. muhammad like you're not allowed what was that called uh charlie hebdo yeah yeah that guy went in there and fucking started shooting dude right it's a sin in islam to depict the prophet in any way. So to draw a cartoon of it is like blasphemy. Do you have you ever did you ever see that cartoon? Yeah, it's a little offensive. Did you see it? Uh, I did, but I need to look at it again because I don't remember. I don't speak French, so I don't know what it says. But so anyway, so I didn't put it. Obviously, I I put this. I put like a woman in a burqa instead. That's good. But we do shit like that in America, no problem, right? At one time, South Park was making a episode where they were gonna put Muhammad in it. It was like a really big deal. Eventually, South Park did depict Muhammad in a cartoon because, I mean, at some point, it's like, give me a fucking break. I mean, and why they don't want image because he's that holy. Exactly. Yeah. But the problem is that the Western world is starting to, like, enforce Islamic blasphemy laws. <laughs> That's insane. I ain't trying to get no fatwa, man. Fatwa is like a pornographic name for a Middle Eastern vagina. Fatwa. That's what that fatwa means is Middle Eastern vagina. I think that's the code word for that. That's so it's almost like if somebody says, yo, man, you see her fatwa? I would think it was like a Middle <laughs> Eastern really vagina, good. dude. That would could get me killed, bro. Yeah, that definitely could. So hijabs, right? Hijabs, burqas. I mean, get a load of this, okay? So they're all different. The hijab is just slight covering. A niqab covers everything but the eyes. And a burqa, I mean, dude, that's oppressive. I mean, can you imagine walking around like that? Can you no, imagine no. being in the heat, walking around in that? It's a sensor bar. It's literally a sensor bar. Like, women cannot be seen in society. They have to walk around with a giant sensor bar. Dude, on. if I wanted to hide and get away from people, I would wear one of those. Like, in that country. I bet men wear that shit. Well, listen, they just made it illegal in France to wear burqas. And people are really upset about it. But the people in France are like, fuck that. Absolutely. It's, it's you know, even in this country right now, it's illegal for me to go into a bank with my face covered. Right. But she can go in there with in a burqa? How do you know that's not a bank robber under there? Do you know why women originally wore the covering? Yeah. And this predates Islam. 
Because women were wearing forms of coverings in Judaism before Islam ever came around and in other pagan religions. But the reason that the Abrahamic women would wear these veils is because they were trying to hide their beauty from the angels right. who were coming to earth and trying to have babies with them. That's that, the belief. Well, right. I mean, nowadays they'll tell you it's because, you know, men can't handle their impulses and so... You know, in order to avoid any actions that the man might be unable to control himself in making. I mean, is there love between any of these people? In a, in a forced marriage situation, in a society where the religion and the law literally protects the man, for he can beat the shit out of his wife, he can rape her, he can do anything. He could kill her and in a lot so of cases. backwards that cases. even if they rape their wife, the wife is shunned by the family. You're like, exactly. That's bizarre. It dude. is. That is an oppressive culture to women. And explain to me how it is that the liberals in this country are the ones that are championing Islamic values. They're so disconnected from the reality. They're like, look, I have a bunch of Muslim friends and they're all nice. It's like, yeah, you have a bunch of Muslim friends from the United States who all grew up in secularism. Yeah. All of these people would be put in jail if they lived in Iran. There's a woman who was just protesting in Iran. Of She was holding up her hijab. She took her hijab off. She was waving it. She's in prison. In Iran? Yeah. yeah. They put her in prison. It is completely run by... Uh radicals? Yeah. Iran right now is the hotbed for radicalism. But is that the way of life there? Complete yeah. radicalism? Well, not for everybody. There's a lot of people who would much rather the, you know, the government became secular and it was more like the Shah. I mean, you remember the Shah? I was always fascinated by him. Yeah, when I was a kid, I uh, I followed uh, the Iran hostage crisis. But I mean, look, this was Iran in the 79. Look okay, how much changed. Right there on those pictures on the right, how much of that population... Well, like, not all women have to wear that like that around. No, but they're also not free to go to college the way they used to be. They're not free to dress the way that they want to dress. They're, they're policed in the streets by religious police who will stop and say, you're not covered. They have to wear a head covering in Iran. Every woman. Every woman. They put a woman in prison right. for taking it off and going viral. That would be very shocking to me if every woman in Iran had to wear a burqa. I mean, it's not a burqa. It's a hijab. They don't have to wear burqas. This woman, she's the woman well, so who went to jail. Then why would a woman choose to wear them? Why are some women wearing burqas? I don't, maybe. If they don't have to, why would they? Well, because maybe there's some ultra-Orthodox families that might do that. Well, there's always going to be both sides of the coin. Some but women want to take them off. Some women want to keep them. There's going to be some women who okay. are conservatives who say, no, we so there's a mixture of women that want to actually wear them. Uh, I mean, you know, what is Stockholm Syndrome? That's what you said, though. But, I'm you know, sure. yeah. Well, what is Stockholm okay, Syndrome? is that what like, you think it is? Well, I think that people can be convinced to believe in anything. Because if they were not wearing them in, a, in 1980, and now they're fully wearing burgers and getting trouble for taking their jobs off, that's a huge stretch in only 30 years. Imagine you were born into a Hasidic family. Right. Okay, then you'd wear your curls on your fucking temples, okay? Sometimes some women are born into ultra-Orthodox families, and that's what they've been taught since they were kids, and they're brainwashed into that shit so it would probably be the newer generation then that is taking their well the new, there is a young girl okay. who's now in prison for like 20 years for taking her hijab off the government's reaction so far has been to arrest 29 people connected to the campaign against the hijab they've arrested 29 people imagine if they just locked up 29 people for wearing a certain kind of clothing you'd be like what the fuck not long ago the shah was in control and women didn't have to wear hijabs yeah it was a different society it was secular they were westernized it was a western 
secular culture under the Shah. But they said, look, he has too much money and he's in bed with the West. Now they have a fucking crazy military state. Look how royal that is. Yeah, they were royal for sure. Hey, okay. Did you feel bad for Saddam Hussein? I mean, when I watched him being hanged, I felt kind of bad. I mean, yeah, we basically went in there. We should not him. have taken him out. He might have been a brutal leader, but that might be what it takes to stop terrorism in the Middle East. There weren't any fucking terrorists in his country. Now, he did fucked up things to terrorists. He tortured people and he did fucked up things. He tortured his own civilians, supposedly. Well, his but own do we civilian, know that's true? His own, see, that's how they say it in the media. They of go, course. oh, he was torturing his own civilians. The truth is, he was getting the radicals and fucking them up. That's the yeah. truth. He was not allowing radical Islam in his country, in his secular country. And they were Muslims, but they were not radicals. For 1,400 years, you've had crazy Islamic tribes who are like trying to take over territory and shit. And and every once in a while, someone like Saddam Hussein would come and take power and they'd say, we're not having this shit. I'll fucking pluck your eyeballs out. <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah. Let me tell you, I honestly can say this with total conviction. I don't think I've ever been in fear of my life ever, except one time when I was in Thailand and we were in a Mediterranean restaurant and I fucking just ordered hummus, dude. And this guy over there on the other side of the restaurant had a fucking turban on and he was eyeballing me, bro. And I was fucking seriously like, this dude's going to blow this place up any fucking minute. Allahu Akbar! Allahu Akbar! All right, let me tell you something interesting here. In the first book of the Bible, Adam and Eve are in the garden, right? This is going back kind of to when I said, is the God of the Old Testament the devil, okay? Well, the God in the in the Old Testament, he puts Adam and Eve in the garden, and he says, don't eat of this fruit. You can eat all the other fruits, but don't eat this one fruit. The fruit is what? What's the tree called? Tree of life. Nah, this is interesting. This is a common misconception. It was not the tree of life. There were two sacred trees. One was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and one was the tree of life. So they were not supposed to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. God said, if you eat of that tree, you'll die. They ate the fruit. They saw that it was good for wisdom. This is a psychedelic story, by the way. They consumed a magical fruit that gave them wisdom that showed them the truth of good and evil. It's a psychedelic experience. Yeah. I, I don't I don't know if that story is real. <laughs> it's not real. It's a myth. Yeah. But does that mean that it has no truth to it? No, of course. If, I mean, if you want to make a point, yeah. Well, let me give you an example. Moses is the guy who wrote wrote it. Okay, Moses was a he was a prince in Egypt. He grew up in the royal family of Egypt. He was trained in the Egyptian mysteries. He would have been highly trained. Yeah, of course. Okay, now let's just say, for example, that he knew that the thing that made us go from animals to man was the psychedelic process. Then he would have written a myth in which the people eat a magical fruit and become aware of good and evil. It's not about if the story is true. It's about what is the truth in the story because there is truth in the story there is yeah. some truth and there is wisdom he was imparting through the myth of course right okay so now listen to what it says at the end of genesis genesis 3 it says now this is after they've eaten the fruit right so god said don't eat the fruit because i don't want you to know you'll die and then the serpent says eat this and eve says well i can't because god said if we eat it we'll die and if you eat it you'll become like him well that's what the serpent said the right. serpent said you won't die. He knows that you'll know good and evil. You'll become just like God. And he doesn't want you to become like God. Yeah. 
Okay, so then she eats the fruit. By the way, the death is an ego death experience from psychedelic experience. And then listen to what it says in the last verse here. It says, Then God said, The man has now become like one of us. I don't know if you know this, but the word for God in Genesis is plural. So he's never saying me. He's saying us, which is a mystery. Now, Christians will say that's the Trinity. Right. But I think it's more significant than that. But anyway, it says, The man has now become like one of us, knowing good and evil. God says he must not be allowed to reach out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. So the tree of the knowledge of good and evil gives you knowledge of good and evil, but the tree of life gives you eternal life. And then God says, fuck, now they know good and evil. We have to expel them from the garden or else they'll eat from the tree of life and live forever. Mm -hmm. So he's expelling Adam and Eve from the ability to eat the tree right. of life. He's He's taking away the eternal life from them. Remember glossolalia? You know, right. like when you take heavy doses of psychedelics, people like babble and shit. The original Hebrews, this is what we know as historical fact. They would go once a year. The high priest would go once a year into a room called the Holy of Holies where he would speak the name of God, the unspeakable name of God. Now, once he would do this, this would ensure that the people have connection to God because they have the name. And it would, you know, show God's favor on them for the next year. Here's the thing. The name was unspeakable. It, literally, it's not a name that the high priest could teach to the next high priest. The high priest wasn't somebody who was trained to be the high priest. He was simply the highest member of society, the person with the highest baseline consciousness. Maybe they were using psychedelics oh. to reach higher levels, but it had to be a person who was high enough at baseline so that they could reach high enough to receive the name because... What we're talking about is they would go into the room and they would get so, they would be so high that they would babble the glossolalia and that was the name, right? That, and the reason you couldn't teach it is because it wasn't something that you could even remember. Right. It was something that you receive under these high states of consciousness. Yeah. Okay. And so what basically, That's true. so basically what happened is the reason that Jews lost connection to God is basically because they stopped producing people who were high enough to receive the name, okay? So Kabbalah, what Kabbalah basically is, is Jews trying to reconstruct the name. They think that if they can figure out how to reconstruct the name, it'll reconnect the favor of God to them, and then they can resume really connection to God. So they think that they can figure it out. They're not recognizing that it can't be figured out by human means. It has to be divinely inspired through those high states of consciousness and how do you get to that level drugs is that the only way no it's not the only way but it's the funnest way <laughs> isn't it let's trace back the yeah it, it's interesting to trace it back when you think about egyptian religion you have in your mind like a picture of what that's like and then when you think about judaism you have a very different picture but we forget that i mean judaism was created from a guy who knew the Egyptian religion. That's what he was, that was his background. I'm sure I've mentioned this guy to you before. What do you know about Akhenaten? The Pharaoh? Yeah. I mean, I've heard his stories, but I, I can't recall. I okay. So this is cool. This might Akhenaten. blow your, this might blow your mind a little. Okay. So Akhenaten, first of all, he looks a lot like Obama, doesn't he? Doesn't that face look like Obama? You don't see it? Tell me there's shit. Well, there's not like I'm the first person who fucking had said it, dude. Look at that. So let me tell you who this guy was. First of all, he's the father of King Tut. Okay. Everyone knows King Tut. Right. He had a very strange body shape. He had an elongated skull like King Tut did. He he basically like started like a modern art movement in Egypt where like people started drawing things in a different style. Like this is very different than typical 
Egyptian hieroglyphics. So he started this movement where people were being very liberal and, you know, they were trying new things instead of the standard thing. The reason that he's like notorious or famous is because he changed the entire religion in Egypt to monotheism. So he was basically a king who came out and declared that he was one with God. Okay. And he said, we're going to take all the gods of Egypt and we're going to wipe them all out and all the, all the, Temples are now going to worship the Aten, which is the sun disk, which is like representative of the one true God. Okay, so he's a monotheist. He was like the first monotheist. He introduced monotheism to Egypt. The whole country hated him because there were obviously, I mean, think about that. Imagine if like a some guy just comes in, he's like, fuck it. I'm changing the whole religion of the whole country. People like freaked out. They started having uprisings and revolts, so he had to move from the capital to a place called Amarna. They built a new capital, and all of his followers went with him to this new capital. Let me just stop you one second, because I need to ask you a real fucking honest question. Yeah. How do they know that? Dude, we have literally from Egypt, we have dental records for thousands of years. We have, that's how meticulous of record keepers. Yeah, but this is deep. So first of all, a lot of the stuff about Akhenaten was lost because after he died, the political people of the time tried to wipe him out of history. They, they destroyed all of his statues. You know, they tried what to scrub him. What do they always him. say? The winners write the, write the. Yeah, exactly. But enough survived that we do know who he was. They, there is a mummy that they claim might, you know, they think was Akhenaten, but I, I'm not sure that it is. Huh? There, there'd be no, unless it was. You Unless it said on the exactly, unless it said his name, then you wouldn't be able to. But that's a problem I do have with science, and that's part of what I'm talking about. Sometimes they'll come up with, "Oh, it must be him," and then they'll build a whole fucking case of why it is him. I mean, I agree with that. But anyway, he went. He moves with all of his followers to this place called Amarna, and this is the idea. Okay, here's a guy named Moses who writes a book about monotheism. How do we know he wasn't this guy? How do we know this wasn't Moses? How do we know that the whole story of him leaving and going going to Amarna with his followers isn't the story of Moses leaving with his followers? Listen, dude, all I can tell you is I would fucking write a thesis on that and fucking put it because that's actually pretty good. I mean, the only either this was Moses or after Akhenaten died, the religion went underground and then maybe sometime later, Moses was the liberator of that underground cult monotheistic cult right but he has to be connected in some way and even if it's even if it's just that moses was from egypt and he would have known of this pharaoh what was how did what was moses how did moses die supposedly so the story is in the bible is that right before they were about to go into canaan and conquer canaan he goes up onto the top of a mountain and then dies and his brother was the pharaoh uh what well well see we don't know who was the pharaoh modern historians want to say that the pharaoh in the bible was ramesses but there's no actual evidence they are just trying to piece times together and stuff listen to this the word mose means true leader in egyptian yeah so the thing is akhenaten who was this displaced pharaoh okay he's he's a, a pharaoh but they run him out of egypt and now all of his monotheistic followers are following him. What would they call him? They'd call him the true leader, Mose, which is Moses, you know? Listen, what Akhenaten's brother's name was Tutmose. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's a, there's a connection here. But it's certainly weird and interesting. It is fucking interesting, dude. I wanted to talk about the Tower of Babel, right? So the story is all these people came together. They built this giant tower that went into the heavens and then God got angry and he wanted to separate everyone across the earth. And he did that by confusing their language. 
which is interesting because we're almost living in like a Tower of Babel time now where like nobody even understands what anybody's saying anymore. You're talking to people on the other end of the political spectrum and it's like the definitions of words don't even match up. Like how can we how can we have a discussion about anything if we can't even agree on the basic definitions of words? But what's interesting is that archaeologists today, we have these pyramids all over the world and we have no idea how cultures separated from each other could have created the same structures or yeah. why they would have done that. But there's a story in the Bible where people all came together and they built, they were a single culture who built a giant tower into the sky and then they separated all over the world. Yeah. So it makes perfect sense Absolutely. that these people were part of a culture that built this tower and then when they separated... All pyramids they, originated from the Tower of Babel. Right. They all created their own version of this tower in their respective places. I mean, that just makes perfect sense to me. That's And so, you know, when you talk about is the Bible real or not, you know... Where was the tower? What was the Tower of Babel? Did well, destroyed? the Great Pyramid in Egypt, probably, you know? You know, because the question becomes, well, is the Bible real or not? And I was saying, well, it's not about if it's real. There's information in it that we can get gain because it's an informational document. And here's an example of that. Like, why wouldn't we consider? Why wouldn't archaeologists at least consider that? That the pyramid is the Great Babel Tower? Yeah, the Tower of Babel. That that's why. That, I'm sure that's somebody's the, thought about it. I'm sure they have, but it's not mainstream. It's rejected by mainstream. This is the Tetragrammaton. You ever heard of it? No. Okay. The Tetragrammaton, this is how the Hebrews wrote, the ancient Hebrews wrote the word God. Now, that's how they wrote it? That's how, This is how they wrote it. Now, the letters are Y-H-Y-H, Y-H-W-H. Yahweh. We then translate that into Yahweh. But they, it doesn't say Yahweh. It says Y-H-W-H. They wrote it without vowels. You weren't supposed to be able to read it. It's an unspeakable word. Yeah. When, when they get to this word in the Torah, they don't read it. They skip it. Right. They skip over They look at it and know what it means. The idea is that even to write down God is to suggest you know what right. it is. And it's such an ineffable thing that they recognized that even to proclaim that you know what it is automatically means you're wrong because that's not what it is. Yeah. Okay, well, but then, you know, you want to talk about the Bible code, the Torah codes, the gematria, you know, early Hebrews, they were claiming that this was proof that the Torah was true, that it couldn't have been from anyone but God. Gematria, right? Yeah. In in Hebrew, they don't have a separate set of symbols for numbers and letters. Each number is also a letter, right? So what they started doing was they started taking words and then looking at the numerical values of these words and then playing with the language to find what they consider, you know, divine inspiration. In, in other words, this couldn't have possibly come about by man's creation so they would do things like the add up the the numbers in the word for father which is ab and equals three with the letters in the word for mother which is haim and equals 41 and it just so happens that the word for child yaled equals 44 which is the mathematical equivalent of mother and father and they found this in so many different yeah areas that it's like, wow, this can't even be a coincidence. Now, the problem is that you could also find things that are not relevant with the same numerical values, okay? Right. But, you know, the Bible codes go even deeper. You know, with computer software, we've been able to use it literally like a crossword puzzle and find all sorts of crazy shit in here, man. I mean, yeah. like, you know, Bin Laden on the same page with th murders, thousands of people, Twin Towers, terror attack, you know what I mean? Yeah, no. I mean, if it... if that's true that all of this information is encoded within the bible writing. it also is validity that there's something divinely inspired yeah, by absolutely it. so listen that's what i'm saying 
yeah, do I do I say that's crazy and maybe I want to check out the sources? But on the other hand, I do know the sources. The Bible Code, I've fucking researched that shit, and it's very, very fucking peculiar. It's mind-boggling, bro. If To think that that was, code was installed there for us to figure out when we got computers. Like, that. obviously, we'll get in there. They'll they'll find things, and they'll, they're going to come up with some theories about things through the Bible Code and, and warn us. Yeah, I, I so, I mean, so. lots of people are trying to, like, you know, uncover yeah, you can the do future it yourself. with it. Yeah, you can. There's software yeah. you can get. We should uncover shit, dude. We're unplugging the podcast right for this moment so I can say this. But I know a lot of Jewish people, bro. I come across them every fucking day. And it is amazing to me how many of them are all the fucking same. Dude, it's like they're so predictable of how they're going to approach you in business and how they're, they think they're better than you. Well, they are, you know, they are among the, I think they are among the smartest people in the world as far as IQ, median IQ scores. <laughs> you know, I mean, uh, okay, maybe they're some of the smartest people in the world. They, as they, far as what though? Like IQ. Morals? No, IQ. What, what is IQ? What does that test you on? Intelligence. I know. In what, in what regard though? Uh, what, what base, what, what basis your intelligence? What is it that decides? Abstract conceptual thinking. I don't know. I mean, well, so yeah, I mean, Jews have been prominent all over the world as, They've succeeded in everything. It's part of the reason why people hate them. They run all the banks and they control the world. And it's like, well, because they're the fucking smartest people <laughs> that there are. And they reach to the top no matter what they do. Why do they have to be Jewy, though? Well, I mean, am I Jewy? Yeah, uh, no, but I would never say you're Jewish. I mean, my father's Jewish. I'm Jewish. Well, I mean, you know, just so you know, I want people on the podcast to know this. If you ever want to know, like, what King David looked like, I'm the spitting image of King David. <laughs> Alrighty. The beginning of the cult is I'm going to move to Israel and I'm going to announce myself God on the Temple Mount so that the Muslims will call me Dajjal and I'll be basically the Antichrist and then people will follow me. Right? Dude, I'm going to leave it to you like this and I'm not going to say nothing more. If you can make that shit happen, I will be your go-to guy, dude. I'll be the guy. You just tell, like, I'll be your, I'll be your slave, dude. Like, you can say, listen, Jake, one of us had to rise to the top. It, unfortunately, it was me this time. So you be my right hand man and, and I'll do it, dude. Cause listen, you're going to, I'll kill you either off at some point or I will take over. So I'll get to the number one position anyway. But for now. <laughs> So this is a good segue into Jerusalem syndrome. Wow, there's a Jerusalem syndrome? So exact, I'm going to be shocked. Right? Basically, people who have never had any history of psychosis before go to Jerusalem and all of a sudden they become psychotic and it's typically religiously based. Typically, people will claim to be figures from the Bible. Like, you know, lots of people claim to be the two witnesses from Revelation. Some people believe that they're Jesus, you know, but there's like a whole department of the police in Israel who literally all they do is they go after these tourists who like wrap themselves in bedsheets and run around the streets claiming to be prophets and shit. Really? <laughs> and it doesn't only happen in Jerusalem. It also happens in Rome, for example. Some right. people experience this. That is interesting. Well, here's a, an interesting thing about it is how do we know that there isn't actually something energetic happening in these locations that people have called holy for long periods of time that are having some kind of psychological effect on people when they visit there? And there's something valid to that. The problem is... 
that when everybody claims to be Jesus or John the Baptist, then it's like, well, clearly everybody can't be Jesus or John the Baptist. So because nowadays everybody wants to see proof. Show me what right. you can do. Show me you can turn water to wine. Right. Well, but I think some people are having valid, significant experiences, and then they're interpreting it incorrectly, and then that's what becomes the psychosis. They're having religious experience, and then when they say, "Well, that must mean I'm John the Baptist," that's where they've, you know. What about these? People who think that they're Jesus. Yeah, I uh, I think that they think that they are. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, obviously they think that they are, but like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> the fuck is that? People that think they're Jesus. <laughs> That's what it is. <laughs> are you asking my personal opinion on what I think of them? <laughs> I think they're wacky. Well, okay, but, but but I'll have to go with it. Sell me, sell me what you got, dude. Well, here's the question: Is like, you know, was Jesus just one of these people who? had this experience that these people are having and he just had it at a time when it was very uncommon for people to have these experiences. I think that's a very and, real possibility, dude. But, you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't say that that, like, negates the validity of any of the message or anything that came Not from Jesus. All. I just think yeah. it means, like, more people are connecting to that now. Yeah, listen, bro, anytime you can bring anybody into spirituality, I believe you are. He, that's You're an awesome dude. So there's all these extra books in the Bible, right? Dude, there's some amazing ones, man. You know, the book of Enoch is fucking bizarre. The book of the, the, the thing is, the question is, you know, even Jesus himself mentioned some of these books. Oh, so Jesus was quoting Old Testament books. At Jesus's time, they were just reading all these different sacred books. It wasn't until some king in the Middle Ages named King James got together and created the Old Testament, which was a collection of the books that they so decided. So was Jesus reading? But called Genesis, a book called Exodus, called the Torah. Did he you know, talk about Moses? I'm sure in his life he did. He would have known Moses. He was a Jew. How many years was Moses before Jesus? A long time. People ask the question, well, why were these books left out? And when you read some of the books, usually the answer that you conclude is because a lot of these books are painting a different picture of Jesus or Christianity than, than the church. Right. You know, even in the books of the Bible that we have, there's verses that you would never think. Like, let me read this, these two verses for you. This is Jesus speaking. Do not assume that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies will be the members of his own household. That's like, in one of the Chronicle books? That's in Matthew, yeah. Whoa, but, really? Yeah, listen to this. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. I mean, it's not the picture that we have. So why, that's, if that's in the Bible, why is it never talked about? <laughs> There's a lot in the Bible that's never talked about, dude. Sometimes I'll be talking to a Christian and they'll give me some interpretation of what Jesus meant by that. And I'm like, no, he didn't. He meant what he fucking said. Why did you just twist all of that shit? You know, I mean, a lot of these extra canonical books, some of them have him like elevating Mary Magdalene. You know, which like the early church at the time didn't like that. They didn't right. want women in power and shit. So they were like, oh, we don't keep that part out. You know, I mean, one of the extra canonical books has him having a relationship with her. If that is out, if that knowledge is out there, then any fucking story is just sure it's possible. If these other things are the canonical books are saying stuff like that is true, then anything. I mean, there's nothing you can believe. I like to say this thing to Christian people. I like to tell them that Jesus wasn't perfect because he was God. He was God because he was perfect. Right. So like that divinity, that unity of divinity is an attainment. You know, it's not like he was just perfect because he was this holy divine man. 
man. It's that he was God because he was perfect. He attained perfection, and that's why he's God. Right? Yeah, if I mean, you met somebody, easy, that's a pretty easy thing to figure out. Yeah, I mean, if you if you met somebody who was perfect, then you'd get on your hands and knees and worship him, right? No, <laughs> I bet you. We got to talk about Catholicism and the, I mean, yeah, so he's in implicated right now in a fucking pedophile thing. You remember that the last Pope quit, right? He resigned. You know that dude was the most scariest of all popes. He looked scary. Yeah. Ratzinger. Yes. Okay. He was well, evil, bro. supposedly there was a liberal coup that was staged to get him out and the coup allowed this new one, Francis, to get into office. This new Pope is very controversial. Right. He is very liberal. Yeah. For a Pope. Yeah. You know, he's totally overturned. Yeah, no, I follow him. So, you know, homosexuality is okay. Uh, Non-believers can go to heaven, he said. Things like that. You know, I mean, this is pretty controversial stuff for a pope. Yeah, bro. For a religion that's had these rules in place for... Right. Evolution is real, he said. It, one of the coolest things I think about Catholicism is that it's it's almost like looking back into the old Roman pantheon. All the theatrics that they do, the ceremonies I'm and all you, that when shit. I'm in Catholic churches, yeah. and the ones I have been in were pretty elaborate, I always had a good feeling, man. I always get a good feeling from it. I, I don't know why. I'm just, it's a weird, random feeling that I have, but I always feel very good inside a Catholic church. That feeling of, I've, I've had a better feeling in Catholic churches than I've had one. That's interesting. But I think that you're probably talking about just like walking into the church and the ambiance of the Probably. I don't know how to gauge place. it. But because yeah. like typically, if you walk into like a service, the difference between a Catholic service and like a Western yeah, no, Protestant I mean, service is very different. And in the West, it's all about self-help and they're talking about your life and things like that. In a Catholic church, it's Om Dominus, Omne, you know, they're yeah. like speaking in Latin, they're, they're chanting these things, you know, it's very uh, ritualistic. Oh, yeah, the ambiance of that is... Sure, but but what's cool about it is that it goes all the way back to ancient Rome. Before Catholicism became the Roman religion, they worshipped all of these old gods in the same temples that became Catholic churches. And then a lot of the rituals that you see today in Catholicism came directly from that time. Yeah, I would suggest... That people were at the time when they built temples and shit like this, that what they were building were resonance machines. That's part of what, how the, the Catholics would home and omine and all this. Like back in the Roman times, the idea was you wanted to create a frequency inside the building right. that would vibrate and it, you would have actually an experience. Like it, the idea was to create an experience through the sound. That's cultish though. I don't know if they were doing that back then. No, I think for sure really? they were. All of these ancient temples, the idea was to create a resonance machine that would actually create a, a you know, an objective experience. Yeah. You know? Huh. And, you know, this. remember that the origins of religion was beating on drums and dancing around a fire. That's how the ecstatic worship, you know, that's how it started. So we're having these ecstatic experiences. And what's interesting is that never really went away. It just went underground. I mean, what's the rave culture? Literally people... Yeah. Worshipping in ecstasy. Okay. Yeah. People definitely believe that the Catholic Church is involved in Satanism and is, are they? I think, at the top levels of Catholicism, they are, you know, the pedophilia problem in Catholicism. I mean, what is that? Why is there a pedophilia problem? In Catholicism. One theory is that because priests are not allowed to get married, that young boys are actually their sexual peers because they are just as experienced as a young boy would be in sex. So they relate to young boys sexually right? because they're celibate. That's one theory. But the other interesting concept is 
that the sexual experiences with these boys are actually part of a spiritual ritual that they're performing. And the boys who, let's say, are into it, they grow up and become priests who do it to more boys. And the boys who complain about it, they get pushed out of the church. I think the distinction between, as as people, bro, how our minds have accepted some things as being okay and some things are just absolutely wrong. Like, you know, it's funny how we draw... That line, as people, we all know what, like, that's a no-no, bro. Anything against kids? And people are drawing people, the lines in different places. Not when it comes to kids. There's well, no lines. You, there's a simple line, bro. There's no There's no gray area when it comes to children. Well, certainly there is because you go to Afghanistan and they have sex with young dancing boys. And there's a culture in in Muslim society where they marry young, they get married to children before they're even ready to be procreative. Right. So, you know, there is a line just because it's, you know, we've oh, yeah, drawn a, a line, line in a certain place. Some other people draw the line in some other place. But it seems to me that we're supposed to make judgments. We're supposed to, as human beings, judge this is good, this is bad, this is what I think is right, this is what I think is wrong. You have to use your intelligence. Yeah, but even on the whole sliding scale where there's so many people that could believe in different things, there's always that, you know, where you know that is the line. Some people get it, some people don't, but there is always that line, you know? Well, but everybody's drawing the line in different places. That's the problem. Yeah, but there is one true line of what is truly right and what's <laughs> truly wrong. Okay. You don't fuck well, with the now kids, all bro. of a sudden you're, you're agreeing no, with I'm, me. I'm always agreeing in that <laughs> regard, bro, for some things. I think that's the weirdest of all of old men and young boys. Like to me, that's just a man wanting a little boy. That's just yeah. It was popular in bizarre, Greece. Dude. It was popular in Greece, and the Romans slowly started accepting it over time. You know, Rome was very anti-homosexuality when they first came into contact with Greece, and Greece was fucking little boy. But slowly over time, they started accepting it more, and then by the end, Rome was total fucking homosexual. And it, some historians would say that this is the precursor to the fall. Is always like sexual immorality and so for people on the podcast so they know what we're looking at it's a sculpture um by pericle fazzini who's an italian artist and the sculpture is called the resurrection and this is a sculpture that sits behind the pope when he gives his sermons okay so he's sitting here with all of his cardinals what this sculpture is supposed to depict what the artist claims it depicts is jesus rising out of a nuclear explosion First of all, that even just that is a strange sculpture to be sitting behind the Pope. <laughs> it's already crazy. This looks very demonic. Let's take it a step further. So now, now the question is really, okay, so that's weird, but maybe it's all innocent, right? Okay, now this is a picture of the inside of that same chapel. So this is the sculpture back here. And when you take a picture of the whole room, so people listening to the podcast could search for, you know, Catholic Church Serpent is what I typed in. And this is a serpent. Look at the eyes and the fangs the whole entire chapel is like you walk down the hall into the mouth of the serpent this is some crazy satanic shit you know when you're sitting in this room it's not so apparent because because you know these are straight walls so the catholic church has a project a giant satellite dish i think it's in like new mexico or something but it's called lucifer okay the catholic church has a giant throwing it in our face well they're looking for the return of Christ. I mean, that's what they want is the return of Christ. But in the Bible, Christ is called the morning star. But Lucifer is also called the morning star. So, you know, here's a, here's another weird thing. Catholic hymn to Lucifer. Look at this. You want to talk about, you can't get more blatant than this. Flama, say 
Lucifer matutinus inveniat. Ile in quam Lucifer quinescito casum. And he's singing to Lucifer? It's a hymn to Lucifer, yeah. At face value, I watch this and say, whoa, whoa, whoa. But on the deepest level of that religion, I don't know what they rate Lucifer as. Maybe Lucifer was somebody holy to them at one point. And okay, so- okay. So this is something that's, you know, higher level masonry right. or higher level enlightenment. So when you get into like Freemasonry, for example, at some point they reveal to you that Lucifer is the god of the world, that Lucifer is the light bearer. It's the one that brings you wisdom. Right. It's the, that Lucifer is the god of the world. Okay. And they believe that. And it's it's possible that at the highest levels of the Catholic Church, they recognize that Lucifer and Christ are not as separate as Christian dogma has created. That. Well, they don't preach it to the masses, no. Well, then they would do not. ceremonies like this? Well, most people are sitting there listening to this and they have no idea what they're even saying. If you weren't reading the, the subtitles... People that are in Rome probably know what the fuck they're saying. The reason why Catholics read the Bible in Latin is to prevent people from understanding what they were saying. Right. So that the priests could control the interpretation. The Protestant Reformation from Martin Luther was about rejecting the the Catholic stance that they were going to teach you. They were going to tell you what it means. Right. They were going to give you the interpretation. It was like, fuck that. I'm going to read it in my own language and I'm going to make my own mind. Yeah, I'm sure somebody sitting that, in that thing listening to them knows Latin and knows what they're saying. I mean, maybe some of them. I mean, enough people obviously know that they're posting YouTube videos about it and they're saying, hey, everybody look at this. There's this crazy conspiracy guy that I watch on on YouTube, dude. He's like a flat earth guy, but he's totally one of the crazy ones. And he says in all of his videos, he's always showing evidence that in the center of the flat earth is something, a hole to another dimension, the tree of life or something. Like He says that that's where the aurora borealis goes in. And that's where all compasses are pointing towards it. And that the whole purpose of life is to try to get to that spot and get through to the other side and have eternal life. And who says that? This is some crazy conspiracy right. guy on, on the internet. And he and he's supposedly like planning this trip with he's getting people to like they cut their hand and pour blood on this thing and they call it blood over intent. And we intend to go to the center of the flat earth plane and eat from the tree of <laughs> But you never know, because it's like what if it's there, dude? Like what if in the right. like what if there's a giant tree of life that if you eat it, you'll live forever, dude? What the fuck? One of the, one of the most interesting things about conspiracy theory is how all the conspiracy theories, and I mean, we're talking like there's thousands of conspiracy theories. They all seem to be their own separate conspiracy theory. But what's really interesting is how all conspiracy theories come together in one grand Christian conspiracy where all of it. We're talking, you know, the flat earth, you know, the fake moon landings, you know, the government mind control, the, you know, satanic child ritual sex abuse, you know, all of it, all every conspiracy theory, all of it. We're talking right. dinosaurs are fake, you know, giants in, in history, you know, aliens coming from outer space. Literally all of it comes together in this one Christian conspiracy theory, you know, that gods came or, you know, fallen angels came out of the sky, had babies with the women on earth. The world became corrupted. A satanic force is moving to try and keep people blinded from the truth of Christ and, you know, and truth. And it all becomes this whole system that we have. It's it's really fascinating, dude. The Illuminati, all of it. It all comes together in one massive, insane Christian conspiracy theory. 
Does that mean it's real? People just hear this rhetoric. Oh, Jesus, he died for your sins. And if you just believe in him, you'll go to heaven. And you got to really think like, what is the significance of this story? And it's a myth. You know, it doesn't matter if he was real. You know, maybe Jesus was a mushroom. Maybe Jesus was a psychedelic experience. And the person was just a myth that they told about the experience. But who knows? Maybe he was a real person. It's like, it doesn't matter. The point is that the myth is about God coming, becoming man in order to suffer with his creation because how can he understand when you cry out to him god life is so hard life is so hard it's so hard and god's like chill the fuck out i created this for you so the idea is that god had to come to suffer to understand fully what what men were going through he came to suffer with his creation you know that's the it's just so much more significance than is it real you understand that's not even the point. In, you know, in the first century after Jesus died, the emperor in Rome was Nero. At one point, there was a major fire in Rome. Like, this fire burned down more than half of Rome. Like, out of 14 provinces, we're talking like seven or eight of them were like just decimated. I mean, more than half of Rome burned down to the ground. There was a lot of speculation, and I think some of it might have been conspiracy theory of the time that people were saying that actually Nero is the one who started the fires because he was unhappy with the condition of some of the bureaus, and so he wanted to do renovations. And so they said, well, he didn't like... So he just, he just fired. Now, I mean, that's disputed because the fire started very close to like his property and the places they were saying he's trying to destroy were like blocks away. So why would he start it? Right. So, you know, there's, it could possibly be like a conspiracy theory. Anyway, Nero. It's amazing how we take those stories as truth too, though. Anything could be true with that. It could be the complete opposite. Right. Well, at the time, Nero claimed that it was the Christian. So Nero locked up an apostle, Paul who he blamed as the person who started the whole fire. You know, he, he blamed oh, it on wow. the Christians. You know, you have these stories of in Rome that they would take the Christians and they put them in the circus and right. they'd get ripped apart by lions and right. shit. This was the time. Right. Because half of Rome burned down and Nero was like, fuck these crazy Christians. They're the ones that did it. Remember, this is in the first hundred years after Jesus died. So this is not like an established Christianity. This right. is like a little cult. They were a cult. You know, they were this group of radical religious people. At the time, they were brand new. It's like Scientology. It's like the people in Rome were like, who the fuck are these crazy radical people? You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, so, you know, the question is, what's the difference between a cult and a religion? Does a cult just become a religion when it's big enough? I mean, is that how it works? Well, let's look up the definition of cult and de- and religion. I would say anything less than 50,000 people is a cult. Yeah, but then you think that the only difference between a religion and a cult is the numbers? Sure. Okay. So a cult is a system of religious veneration and devotion directed toward a particular figure or object. And religion is the belief and worship of a superhuman controlling power, especially a personal God. Okay. So that's interesting because it's saying that a religion is somebody who's going going beyond the person and a right. cult is someone who, they're worshiping an individual well christianity is kind of like on the edge of this because it's like they were worshiping a person but they said the person was god right because well but i guess all of the you know the guy from siberia they think he's god i mean i think if you go to the eastern religions where they're worshiping gurus they all say the guru has reached attainment of oneness with god 
That's what they all say. It, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, what is the difference, you know? Because then, like, any crazy cult can become a religion as long as it lasts long enough. I think so. Uh, yeah, that's how I would describe it. Religion is something that seems like it's been around for a while. But if you can create a cult that takes a storm and people... Like, Scientology, to me, is a cult. Yeah. Okay. And, and it's and it's a religion. And it's huge. But it's also known as kind of a religion. Well, it's known as a religion legally because, right, because they they've, got tax-exempt status. They've, they've, <laughs> it's just like it's a problem with, like, the battle of ideologies, you know? It's just I everybody's... Just, it's, I find it easier to believe in nothing. I don't need to know what the fuck is going to happen yeah, to me after i don't need to know what religion might be out there and what might be real i don't need to know that information i don't care because well it's, it's not, not that any religion would be real it's that i mean there is I just believe believe in belief you know? no man yeah. i am the exact opposite i tell people don't believe no anything. i mean believe in believe that anything is possible anything your yeah, mind but, is capable but of the problem is that when people i, I agree I, one of the first things i learned from psychedelics was that anything is possible but what i what i experienced with a bunch of other hippies who went in insane is that just because they realize everything is possible they all of a sudden start to believe everything is true and just because everything's possible doesn't mean everything's true yeah have you ever heard l ron hubbard talk i probably have they they tell people in Scientology that he was like this world traveler and he did all these amazing things and these expeditions into the, you know, all these places and, and supposedly it's all bullshit. Here's the thing though. He's obviously crazy. Like there's, I've seen videos where he's like describing Scientology stuff. How do people fall for that though? So Well, easy. because he would go on and he would ramble. And so much of it didn't make any sense. Yeah. But then every once in a while, he would say something really profound and you'd go, holy shit, I, right. I know what he's talking about here. And then because of that, it would make you think, maybe I'm not getting the rest of it. Maybe I'm the one that's right. not grasping it. First of all, the, the main process of Scientology is like, you know, it's like self-reflection. It's like exposing negative things about yourself. Like, that's what it is. Uh, well, you know, they sit you with that little I meter. I think that's what they sell you. Well, right, of course. Yeah. I, well, that's the it's process. About getting your money. Uh, well, of course, yeah. okay. But but hold on. See, you have to like make a separation between what he started doing and what Scientology became. Did you see this the documentary that Leah Remini's been? Yeah, I've watched them all. Yeah. They're amazing. <laughs> she, I, yeah. I I I love this shit. The I Scientology too, stuff, dude. It's so fascinating. I've watched dude. everything I can see about Scientology. Yeah, it's fascinating. But the thing is that here's the main problems with Scientology. One is that it's like a business where it's all about taking your money to sell you up the ladder of, of progression to enlightenment is yeah. what it is. That's the biggest problem. And, you know, the human rights abuses that go on. I mean, that's obviously a problem. But the philosophy that he discusses at the base level of this, it makes sense. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah, dude. I, don't get me wrong. I, I absolutely get that. And, and, and then people, another thing that people criticize about it is they say, well, he was a science fiction writer. And then you get to a certain level where then you're taught about this, you know, the origin story. And it's this crazy science fiction story about Xenu and he, a galactic he warlord. Yeah. You could see him talk uh, about it. Do you know the story? Uh -uh. <laughs> Let me just tell you the easy yeah, yeah. part of it. So. A galactic warlord named Xenu came to Earth with people from another planet that got destroyed, threw them into a volcano. The volcano exploded and their spirits or their souls, they call them thetans, were spread across the world and they started looking for beings to attach themselves to. And what year would have this been? This is prehistory. Right. You know, in the beginning of the earth. Right. And so what happened is these thetans attach themselves to the beings on earth. And that's why we're in bondage because we have all these thetans attached to us that are keeping us neurotic or whatever. That's what L. Ron Hubbard says. That's the story. Yeah. And the whole process is becoming clear of the thetans.
getting rid of the Thetan influence. Who fucking knows? Maybe it could be real. Right? Well, so Imagine. so that idea <laughs> that there's like negative energy that attaches itself, that's pretty universal in right. most religions. And then the idea that there's a galactic overlord named Xenu, it that's a myth. It doesn't matter. It's not necessarily supposed to be true. Right. It's a myth that contains the elements of the philosophy that he's trying to preach. Right. They use it as a mythology, as yeah, a framework. I believe that's true. Well, certainly, but that's like in ancient Greece, they created the pantheon, Zeus and Apollo and all these things. The people who created this concept, they were sages. They were wizards. They understood they weren't real. They understood they were concepts that they were personifying. Right. But then, of course, there's stupid people who b- think that it's real. They believe the myth. Yeah. Right. Unenlightened people believe the myth. That's the problem. There's a video. Here it is. Listen to this. Just listen to how he sounds like he's having a stroke. Right. Like the words don't even go together. This is the story of Xenu. Oh, put it. For this planet and for this confederacy of the 21 adjacent stars and its 76 planets. It starts out normally with a capture, some kind or another. And they had elected a fellow by the name of Zemu, uh, could be spelled X-E-M-U, to the supreme ruler. And they were about to unelect him. And he took the last moments he had in office to really goof the floof. Yes, I don't blame you for dropping something. And uh, <laughs> they threw him into collection points boxed them up in boxes, threw them into space planes, which are the exact DC-8s, the DC-8 airplane is the exact copy of the space plane of that day. And uh, no difference, except the DC-8 had fans, propellers on it, and the space plane didn't. And they threw them into refrigerated units and so on, and, and they took these people in boxes and so forth, and they dumped them, and then they set off hydrogen bombs on the top of each primary volcano there is on this particular planet and when they blew up it blew the Thetans into the air and after the bomb an electronic ribbon which also was a type of standing wave was erected over the area. These were brought down packed up and put in front of uh, projection machines which with sound and color pictures the remainder of the 36 days which is the bulk of them is taken up with a 3D super colossal motion picture uh, which has to do with God, the devil uh, space opera I mean imagine you pay for a lecture and he's speaking incoherently and you're just like what the fuck well, like- let me ask you this do you think that that guy I mean listen sure people come up with random shit that's fucking crazy but L. Ron Hubbard was not a stupid guy well, for one, do you think that no? He but he was insane, ran? though. I, I think know, he. Bro. I think it was insane. How do we know that shit's not real, dude? Well, the language doesn't matter because, of course, the myth isn't the truth of it. The truth is the thing behind the myth that he's talking about. He's talking yeah. about these entities that all religions talk about. You have to realize that what everybody's saying is describing the real thing, and what they're saying isn't the real thing. What's the truth is the thing that you're experiencing, not right. the words that you describe it as. So, of course, the thetans are not the truth, but the thing he's describing describing is true the objective thing behind it so you have to dig through it oh dude let's talk about this real quick the mormon psychedelic connection so you talk about like cults who become religions do you know that mormonism is the fastest growing religion in the world when you consider the time that it started to how many followers it has today it is the fastest growing religion really of all time okay that's interesting do you know the the main tenets of mormonism 
No, you can tell me. So it started by a guy. Yeah, Joseph Smith was his name. He was a person who started having visions. The story is that he went into the woods. He had some mystical experience where he found a stone that they call a scrying stone. And he found like pieces of like a tablet or something. And what year was this? 1850s? 1820s and 30s. Smith claimed that God the Father instructed him to join none of the existing churches because they were all wrong. And during the 1820s, Smith reported several angelic visitations. So he kept being visited by angels. And he was eventually told that God would use him to like create a new church. And he wrote the Book of Mormon. Okay. And that wasn't that long ago, dude. No. And that guy really had a probably a true vision. I mean, he started Mormonism, so. Okay, well, I mean, we're I, we're getting there because I believe there was some truth behind some of this. Right. So he said that he found these golden plates with this writing on it that was some kind of weird language, and he used this special stone to translate the plates. Okay, that's what he claims. Was that verified? Well, yeah, it's totally verified. He did it with another person. Like there was another person who was with him who would write it down as he was going into, he was going into like a trance state and then, you know, deciphering these hieroglyphics. And then his friend was writing them down. That became the Book of Mormon. Interesting. Now, in the time that he was alive, the entire congregation was having visions. The vi- like he was preaching to the congregation, and there would be reports of like the the ceiling opening up and angels coming down into the church and filling the room and filling all of the people with the Holy Ghost. And you know this is what the people were reporting. And the stories are that after he died, all the visions stopped. Okay, but the visions always occurred after taking communion and. There were reporters at the time who visited the church and said, these people are on drugs. (laughs) So it's highly likely that he was dosing people with some psychedelic substance during communion that would cause people to have these revelations. People would speak in tongues and all sorts of stuff. And then after he died, all of the vision stopped because there was nobody to dose the congregation anymore. Right. But they have some weird beliefs. You know, they, they like never take off their holy underwear, their magic underwear that they wear under their clothes. You know, supposedly they have like sex through sheets. That's not fun, dude. Jonestown and Heaven's Gate. Jonestown and Heaven's Gate were both awesome. I'd like to give a fucking thumbs up to both of those groups for pulling off what they did. Uh, they both pulled it off with complete success. Uh, and they're in the history books. And that was really what they wanted to do. Rock on, Jim Jones. <laughs> we have this concept of like cults, they commit suicide or something. But in these two cases where this happened, they were totally different kinds of cases, right? In Jonestown, it was like the gig is up and it's going to get really bad if we don't. This is a better way out. But the Heaven's Gate guys, they like committed willful suicide to of like course. transcend to the next level. Right. So that dude is one of the strangest dude. The guy from Jim Jones? No, the other guy. So, well, Jim Jones. So, first of all, Jim Jones was a Christian. I'm obsessed with the story, dude. Have you ever heard the tapes? Of him? Dude, there's audio of them committing suicide. Yeah, yeah, no, I've heard them. I've From... seen interviews of people who survived. Yeah, me too. I mean... It's awesome. It's awesome because it's, but it's so bizarre. But I, what's really fascinating to me about this cult phenomenon is the way that these people, they always have this beautiful, idealistic concept of this communal living environment that everybody could live in peace and they could bring heaven on earth. And every single time something goes wrong and shit goes down. It's almost like God's trying to send people a message, isn't it? 
this is the natural progression of the corruption of man every time you try to do this stupid shit. Maybe you're supposed to free your mind, not become devoted to an individual. I mean, the tape was fucked up, right? You know, they moved to this, like, paradise in Guyana, and... At some point, I think some people were starting to complain about conditions and some political figure went to the site and, went and walked around, interviewed a bunch of people, got back on the tarmac and the, and Jim Jones sent somebody to kill said, him. Hey, you're not, you're leaving. not leaving. Right. And then, so they shot the guy. He was going back. He was going to give like a, a negative report. He, yeah. He was a senator. You're yeah. right. So he was going back. He was going to say something negative because apparently he had encountered people who were unhappy or something wow. and they were like, we can't let him leave. And then Jim Jones is basically saying, Saying, out. We all have to go. And there's people in the audio that are protesting. You know, the one that was his, not, not his wife, but the, like the one, the girl that was closest to him. I saw the interview the other day with her. She said she was the last one. She said everybody had killed themselves and I was the only one left. And it was his closest, like his girl. And she survived? Stop well, if she was telling the story, she yeah, must have I survived. guess. So, yeah, she. And you hear, you can hear kids crying on yeah, the. Dude, it was, bro, a lot of people. But see, in this instance, it was, you know, they're coming for us and this is going to be really bad unless we do this. It was kind of the same situation in... They believed in him, bro. They were brainwashed. Remember David Koresh? Uh, I don't know if that's the same. Well, it's a similar story. To be honest with you, I have a little more empathy... For David Koresh. Oh, me too, bro. Do you know this? Do yeah, you know this absolutely. story? Absolutely, I know the whole fucking story. I mean, the government was wrong absolutely. in this situation. They those people, yeah, right? they went in there and they and they fucked him up. Yeah, and There's and no these people fought against the government. I mean, and, listen, ain't no doubt, bro. They had a lot of weapons and a lot of ammo. But as a group of people, are you not allowed at this point in history to form your own group, live where you want to live, have your own set of ideals? And if you're stockpiling weapons, that's nobody's fucking business because that's your right. Okay, but you have to understand that on the flip side, it's the realization that some ideologies are actually dangerous. I understand. And, you know, what, what part of the thing with the Rajneeshis is they started collecting weapons and shit. They started stockpiling weapons. And that's what the FBI started being like, what the fuck is going on? And I agree. That they should allow people to fucking collect their weapons and they should have left these people alone to be whatever weird religious cult they wanted to be. The reason why they wanted to go in was because there was uh, allegations of child abuse, like sex abuse going on. And that was the reason why. They yeah, because he married a young girl. Right. He so, married a young girl. Right. Where do so, you draw that line? Right. Well, there's always going to be some, you know. The the problem with religion is that religion makes people accept things beyond reasonability. I wonder if there's a religion based on David Koresh now. There's not, but you know the Rajnish, cool. the Rajneeshis are still a huge religion. There's Osho followers all over the world. The Osho Foundation is still huge. And okay, so now let's talk about Heaven's Gate because what's interesting about Heaven's Gate is that there are people alive today who didn't commit suicide who right. regret it. They wish that they had gone. They right. think that they made a mistake by right. not by not going. Interesting. Try you know, they still have a website. Yeah, put it. Let's join. This dude. is their website. Oh, no way. Any website that has pink and purple and yellow and white writing, it's like will log off immediately. Well, nothing has changed. This is like from 1993, <laughs> yeah, and I'm nothing has changed. But you do realize that we have no fucking proof whatsoever that they didn't really go to where they say they were going. It was all to catch the Haley Bob Comet. The Haley yeah. Bob Comet was coming overhead. Imagine if they did. Though. So they all had to get ready to. 
join the spaceship that was going to be flying behind Haley Bob Comet. So probably 50, pretty cool though. I mean, you're dying believing what you really think is happening. This is oh, wow. two hour video of all of the people who committed suicide giving exit interviews. So these are their exit statements where they're literally saying we're ready to go and we're happy doing this and we're ready to move on to the next level of existence. We're not dying. We're leaving our bodies and moving on to the next plane. Not only that, but there was a couple people who didn't commit suicide with the rest of the group that regretted the decision so much. Two of them committed suicide later in a hotel room in the same fashion with the same clothes under the robes. And there's people alive today who say we wish we would have went. And in fact, the guy who runs the website, the leader told him, you have to stay behind because we need someone to run the website. To this day, he runs the website. I swear to God. Let me, let's talk about this other cult. Do you remember Osho? Back when I was a hippie, I used to watch Osho videos. Did you see the documentary on them? Wild Wild Country. Yeah, I started watching it the other day. It's amazing. Yeah. I binged it in two days. Yeah. I only knew about him from just videos of him talking about spiritual things. Okay. I never knew the whole story. You know, this guy moved from India into the middle of nowhere in Oregon and they bought this huge compound and they b- basically built a whole city with all of their yeah. followers. The lady was the one who was really in charge of all yeah. this shit. The guy's name was Bhagwan Rajneesh. And so the followers were called Rajneeshis. What would you like your followers to be called? Uh, I'm not sure yet. I don't know if I want to lock things the down nomad, like this. I call it the nomad tribe, dude. <laughs> I think my cult is just going to be free, dude. The Nomad Tribe. But it's funny because, you know, they moved into this place and it was like a small town and all the like people, they were upset about A thousand people. That's all that was there. Yeah. Like 20,000 of these people come there, like on 1,000 fucking people. I don't know how deep you made it into the show, but what ended up happening was fucked up. You know, they ended up with like a majority in the town. There was more people in their little city than there was in the town. So they ran for all the political offices and they took over. They became the mayor and the governor. They opened their own police department and shit. And they were all wearing you know they wore all red so literally all the cops are wearing all red clothes like that's policing. how it went down yeah dude no it turned out that like and that show you saw that all in that documentary it's all in that documentary wow. it turns out there was like a salmonella outbreak they were like culturing salmonella and rubbing it on the food in the in the town you know that woman by the end of it she got one of her like loyal people to like try and murder this doctor who was giving osho drugs it's just like what the fuck happened i think they caught her in like germany or austria or yeah something. well she spent prison time yeah. she's out now but yeah, yeah. what I really like about the cult phenomenon is that they all start with this beautiful, enlightened idea and then it all falls apart. It all goes bad always. Something I'm ready to give up everything right now and do total devotion to make a cult happen, dude, if you are. (laughs) I am not even fucking around, bro. If you told me right now, like, listen, Jake, this is my life dream to start a cult and I need you with me. I need you to help me. I need This is what I need you to do for us to make a cult happen. I would do it, dude. I would do it, man. This this <laughs> this whole podcast is low-key. I know. Us <laughs> trying to start a cult. Fuck yeah, it is. <laughs> so like at one part of the documentary, you know, they're showing the struggle between these townspeople and all these Rajneesh I gotta followers. watch it, man. Yeah, and at one point, somebody made a video. Somebody had recorded, like, some of the things that were going on, it, you know, the practices that right. they were doing, and made a movie about it, and then released the movie in the town. So the, all the townspeople went to watch this movie. In the beginning, you That's know, insane. in the beginning, all you're seeing is, like, all the people, like, love, and they're all happy, and then all the people go into this movie theater and watch this this movie, and they show a clip of the movie, and it's, like, fucking 150 people in a room totally butt naked like demonically possessed you know right, right. 
right. You know, doing all this like crazy shit. And imagine you're just like a conservative from a little farm town or something. And you've got these right. thousands of people here. And, right. and you're like, this is what the fuck right. is going on, dude. These people are mad. Part of the process was you would like put your hands up in the air and you would just go crazy. You'd fucking freak out and you'd, you'd just let it all fucking go. And then you'd sit down and you'd sit in silence. You know, they had this like process or whatever. But what would end up happening is you'd have this room full of fucking naked people just flipping the fuck out and rolling all over each other and tripping out and shit. And it was just like, what the fuck? Uh, The guy who made the movie said like he came in and the first thing he saw was like two people having sex on a bridge. And he said that just like set the stage for like those those Rajneeshis. Yeah. That guy doesn't hardly look like... I, for some reason, I thought he was like... He's probably like, bro, I'm getting my dick sucked every day. No, I thought, for some reason, I thought he was like a virgin. I thought, I thought the story was that he had never ejaculated in his whole life. And that he, that he had like held in the energy from, you know, never releasing it. Right. But, you know, whatever. I mean, he, he likely committed suicide by poison. Well, cause it turned out that he was like, had asked some doctors for poison that he could use to kill himself and like put it in a certain location at the, when the time comes. And then when he died, it was like all of a sudden he was just like really fucked up and then he died. I'm pretty sure he poisoned himself or they, his followers poisoned him, which is what the woman claims. And why would he do that? Eat poison to die. I I mean, he commits suicide. Yeah, but somebody that you're the holy like that. We should talk about Mahasamadhi. In the Hindu faith, they have a word called Samadhi. Samadhi is an experience to become one with everything. It's common to have this experience when you take psychedelic drugs. Like if you've ever taken LSD and sat on a couch and you became one with the couch or you can't tell where you end and the couch begins, that's the experience. Okay. But you can become the entire universe, right? And you believe you can get that way with weed? No. Uh, maybe if you're really highly tuned, but I don't know, man. I, I've only ever experienced things like that on psychedelic drugs. They claim that these holy men can get there naturally. That would be awesome. At the end, when these holy men die, and this is almost proof of if they were a holy man or not, they go into what's called the final samadhi, mahasamadhi. And the final samadhi is where they basically become one with everything and they never return to their body. So it's not suicide, but they leave their body willingly. And they tell their followers, okay, it's time. I'm going to go now. Well, they just go into a trance? They just go into a trance and they never come back, okay? And they end up getting buried or it's, whatever? Yeah. yeah. Look, okay. there, and there's pictures of these holy men that die with like smiles on their faces because they just like release into it. A step further of this, there's these statues that they found these Buddhist statues that have bodies inside of them. And so these monks would go through this process where they would spend years eating less and less. By the end of it, they're only eating like pieces of bark, pieces of bark off a tree, literally. And they're, they become like skeletons. And then at some point they lock themselves inside this statue and they go into a meditation and they die. What's interesting is that the point of the spiritual pursuit is taking control over yourself and this is just a display of ultimate control over yourself i mean you could kill yourself oh, yeah, dude. you know you could sit down and meditate yourself to death that's ultimate control over your physical being yeah. and then and then they parade the body around and they pour milk all over them you know and they, it's a big ceremony and shit i mean listen you only die one fucking time in this world is there an afterlife what is what is your concept of that uh the best thing that i could describe is that I believe anything is possible. Whatever I put my mind to it or whatever I think my mind is capable of thinking, it's possible. Okay, but what do you think happens when your body dies? Uh, when your body expires, what happens? I think your soul goes somewhere. Not sure what level, not sure time period, not sure of anything after that. I do believe it goes somewhere, though. 
I think Christians say that when you die, you go to heaven and uh, Jesus meets you and, and lets you in. Those are extremes of what the Christianity religion believes, I think. So how do you figure out what's, I mean, this is well, impossible. Well, first of all, what, what modern Christian dogma teaches is very different than what Jesus taught. Jesus spoke of the kingdom of God that was to come, okay? And, you know, he describes the kingdom of heaven, you know, in poetic language. It has streets of gold and things like that. These are metaphorical. This is metaphorical language. What he says, what he says clearly is that you have eternal life and that when you die, you will have a new body and there will be a new heaven and a new earth. Heaven is supposed to be an eternal place, right? They say heaven's eternal, okay? Well, eternal means forever. So that means, just think about this logically, you cannot go to a place that's eternal. If eternal is forever, that means there's no beginning and there's no end. So you can't start anywhere because there couldn't have been a time before eternity started. So you can't go to an eternal place. The truth is you've always been there. Right. You're already there right. and you've always been there. I was, yeah. My answer was going to be, yeah, you could go there just a matter where on that timeline you are. But if you, but like you said, you've always been there. So you've always been there. It doesn't matter. Yeah. What it seems like to me is you have eternal life. This is life. Eternal life means you have life after life, after life, after life, after life eternally. Right. And what heaven and hell is, is eternally getting closer to or farther away from God or the divine or whatever that is. Right. Source. If anybody in this fucking world is able to walk up and talk to me in my face and tell me, this is what happens. Like when you go through this life, this is how you go to the next one. And it's nobody's ever in this entire civilization of the world has ever come back from the dead and said, this is what it's like. So we don't know what happens after you die. Nobody knows. Nobody fucking knows. Yeah, but I think if you, I think exactly what happens when you smoke DMT is what happens when you die. To me. Yeah, I mean, it's just the rabbit hole, dude. How far down the rabbit hole you want to get with as far as it's. I mean, when you smoke, when you smoke DMT, the world pixelates, the world disappears and your consciousness leaves the physical realm. I watch DMT videos on YouTube, like people who trip, like their experience. I'm, I'm, I'm obsessed with it. And they come out of it and they're yes, like, dude. I saw the center of everything. Yes, you don't understand. Dude. And they're so passionate. And about then you're it. like, I want to do that. Yeah. You know, people who don't know that you could reach these levels on psychedelics, they don't ever even go there because they don't even know and they don't ever try and they don't have any concept of that. But the goal of all psychedelic experience, it is to reach the Godhead. So describe to me your DMT experiences. The most intense of the of them. Just, you know, where you go and you can find a light and you light brightens up and you start getting to the place where everything's beautiful. And that's what I had. That was the most I got. And then when I came out of it, I was very, yeah. I, was so, very, I felt enlightened. Okay. Now describe your most uh, significant weed experience. That I've been way deeper and down the rabbit hole than I've ever went with DMT. Yeah, then I mean, maybe you just didn't take enough DMT. Um, I never I mean, said I did. Though. I mean, you know, let me describe. I never said I did. Let though. me describe to you my, my, one of my most intense DMT experiences. Look, I saw. I told you I saw the video of the black guy the other day saw, saying he saw dimension. So there's no dimension, in my mind. dude. Infinite dimensions. Yeah. The beginning and the end of the entire universe. I I think I took a lot of DMT and I took it for a long time. I smoked DMT once a month for an entire year and. It's not really about how much DMT you take. It's about how able you are to let go during the experience. Because as I was taking it once a month for a year, what I realized was that it was teaching me how 
to get higher by letting go more and more completely. So the more I could let go during the experience, the higher I would get. But you realize you don't need DMT for that. You can get that. I do. One of the things that it showed me actually is that, that yes, it's just like we were talking about the saints who have Mahasamadhi. If I was naturally in tune enough, then I could, without any drug, literally leave my body. Okay. Mm -hmm. But I would have to be like a saint (laughs) Okay. It's one thing to say, well, yeah, but you could do that without, well, it's possible for a human being to accomplish that, but I'm not going to accomplish that, dude. I'm not a fucking, you know, a swami who meditates for 15 hours a day. That's what it's going to take. You know what I'm saying? In the most significant experience I ever had, you know, whenever you take DMT, you see this mandala. You see this, like you're inside this like crystal shifting, you know, the pixelated world that everything becomes out of. As it's teaching me to get higher and higher, what happens eventually is you get to a threshold. And at this threshold, you cannot go any farther. You have to let go of your ego, of yourself. So ultimately, that means you have to die. You have to die to pass through this threshold. After a year, I was able to let go enough to break through this mandala to the other side. Now, what's weird is or a more typical psychedelics like LSD, when you have an ego death experience, your ego ceases to exist and you become one with everything and right. you're beyond the ego. But what was interesting about the DMT breakthrough was once I had broken through the mandala, I was in infinite space, just nothingness, infinite nothingness. And I heard a voice and it said, Damon. And I thought it was just myself thinking. And then I heard it again, Damon. And again, I just thought it was me thinking to myself. And then it went, damn, like that. (laughs) That moment, my head. grabbing my fucking weapon, bro. Well, I remember that my head turned to the side in the physical world and I was looking at something, but I was like beholding this infinite universe and I saw my past and my future. And it was literally, the only way I could describe what it felt like was that it was like Christ was cradling (laughs) me like like a baby. You felt free, bro. Well, it was telling me, Look, you've arrived. You're already here in this eternal place yeah. where you're trying to go. Yeah. Just go and enjoy your life. Because when I when I, I get high it, on though. but when I get high on weed, I think about those concepts all the time. That's different I than know. experiencing the Godhead. I know. I mean, I, you know, in the physical world, when I was in this place, I was like drooling on myself. There's an objective thing that we are yeah, calling man, you God. You still should live your way the way you want. That's people should live the way they want. Well, That's people godly, are bro. allowed to live the way they want, but we should not. No, I mean, I am my desire is usually in direct contradiction with what I think the higher power wants from me. Right. I mean, it's a struggle constantly to behave in the way that I want to behave. Why is of it so course, difficult? Dude. We want to fuck strippers and do cocaine. Right? And, and you know, if I'm not in control of myself, who's in control? I want to talk about the hippies. Let's- yeah, man, I love talking about hippies. I, I don't. I'm not gonna lie though. Other than the underarm fucking hair, which I don't like on chicks, because let's be honest, man, you girls, you want to have your fucking freedom and you want to talk about your, you know, you shouldn't have to shave to blah blah blah. We don't fucking care. We just like you clean, dude. But that being said, I fucking love hippie chicks, dude. I love when they dress that little skirts with their little fucking cute tops. I have a I have a disdain for hippies. Just, dude, I want to understand gonna... your idea of what a hippie is. I mean, what is your what is the definition of a true hippie? Someone who loves nature? Well, I mean, you know, for one thing, the people who choose to 
give up materiality and go and travel the world. And I think that these are the continuation of the followers of Christ. I truly believe that. And these people, they left the world. They're they're preaching love are to they, people. They are, yeah, you know, love. do they preach the Bible? You ever know any hippies that preach the Bible? Yeah, definitely, okay. absolutely. I mean, you know, not in a Christian context, but in the Gnostic context. Right, right. You know, is that uh, a common thing? Yeah. Between, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, when you truly find it, you can hear it in everything. You can hear it in yeah. Moby Dick, right. for fuck's sake. A lot of people walk, or how do most people get around? I mean, I was hitchhiking. Yeah, and most people are just... You just walk and catch buses and... Yeah, exactly. Catch rides here and there and... My and you are happiest. The, the happiest you've ever probably been in yeah, your whole so entire happiest, fucking life yeah. is sitting under the stars, not having to be anywhere or answering anybody, and you're in complete freedom. How do you do that and then not be dying to be back? Well, I do. I, I, I would I like, no, no. Yeah. Well, the answer, it, the real answer to that is because when you find what you're looking for, you go home. Doing that doesn't mean you have to fall into a certain, a religion. And the problem is that a lot of people who find early stages of enlightenment like this, and then they embrace the hippie ego and they get stuck on that level of enlightenment. They, struggle to move on to the next plane like reiki these are people who they're moving energies here's a thing i know for you sure believe it? well here's the yeah, thing i, I know for sure i've taken the same drugs that these hippies have taken i've seen the energy that they're talking about i know for a fact if i'm unhappy or i'm stressed out then i have literally a negative energetic output around me and right. that when i come into contact with somebody my energy interacts with their energy in a way that affects Absolutely. how we both feel yeah. there's no question that that is not true i know that that energy exists okay now there's one thing discovering that that energy exists and then there's another thing believing that because you've discovered it you are now you the manipulator right. of that energy and can like heal people oh my god that's you know awesome. what i'm saying like everybody thinks they're a fucking healer every I hippie know. it's part of the hippie ego it's this belief in the religion of hippieism okay let's talk about like the channeling so there are people who are communicating with these higher consciousness but see it's not these people right for here's an example benoit mandelbrot the guy who wrote the mathematics for the cool. mandelbrot set the right. fractals he was someone who was under do you know that mathematicians of all the sciences that mathematicians kill themselves more than any other really yeah because they can't fucking handle what they are perceiving you understand they're they're experiencing something that's like too much to handle and they freak out yeah so the people who are actually connected to this thing they become people who actually give us new technologies and new concepts and new they actually do yeah come from the other realm right. the non-manifest realm in these entities okay but repeating the same hippie shit that i have heard a hundred million times you know somebody's like well loved one you're you're looking too much at the negative side of the world. You know, it's like this. It's like give me a fucking break, man. Tell me something new, and then I'll have more belief that this is. What would, what would be good enough for you? Something you I haven't something heard. Like what? Any? Well, I can't tell you, you because I haven't. I can't tell you I haven't heard it. Right. What was somebody? Before yeah. Well, that's they what I'm saying. Like, well, so people lost. <laughs> it's people who were fucking confused, and they and they said, fuck it, I, 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 there has to be something more to life. It's the seeker, you know what I'm saying? It's the seeker, it's the person who it's really wants to It's very brave, though, man, to, to fucking unplug yeah. and fucking I agree. whatever you life just, will be. But. You just have to be careful to not fall into the trap of getting stuck on those lower levels. Lower First, lower levels as far as 
of enlightenment, lower levels of enlightenment. Like, you know, you stop progressing if all of a sudden you think that you found the answer and there's nothing more to learn. You know, when they first find, you know, all of this, it's like love and everything is pure love. And here's the thing that people you got It's a journey, though. And it's yeah, like you said, you don't want to get stuck in that level where you're like, come on, you're not progressing. But yeah, I mean, it's it's a journey. Everybody. And that's well, their journey. Here's here. a good example, right? Is like when people discover spirit, let's call it spirit. Okay. They discover the reality of the spiritual reality. When people first find that, typically what they do is they realize what the ego is. They realize that the ego separates you from everything else and separates you from unity. And because you realize that, the ego becomes the enemy. And people find spirituality and they try to run from the material world. But you're not supposed to run from the material world. You're supposed to bridge the divide. You're not supposed to reject half of your nature. Both of them. Right. But. When Jesus described Godhead, he described it as the Alpha and the Omega, right? I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. It is what he said. So there's one moment that is both the beginning of all creation and the end of all evolution. This Alpha and Omega moment, you can call God. Let's call this God, okay? Okay. God is at the top. It's all mind. It's all knowing. It's you outside of the body. Awareness of being nothing out of the nothing became something there was a desire to become something and then the desire came to earth this is the story of satan the story of satan in the bible is satan was the brightest star in the sky and it was cast down to earth because of its desire to become god that's the story in the bible in the bible the problem is that people create in their mind a picture of an angel with wings who's then cast out of a place and he comes to earth but what this is actually describing is how we went from nothing Godhead to material. Satanic force takes you away from God into material. This is the fall of Satan. This is how they describe it. Satan fell from God. Why? Because Satan wanted to become God. Okay, well, what happens? This is the satanic force. The other force is the Christic force. So there's two forces. One takes you away from, from God into the material, and one takes you away from the material back to God. So it's one continual circuit but it's two sides of the same force so this we started talking about this because we were in catholicism and we were talking about lucifer and is lucifer's not necessarily a different thing than christ it's just the opposite end of the spectrum satan comes away from god into material christ goes away from material into god so what is the satanic force see i'm not talking about a guy with red right what we're talking about is a force in this world that's trying to keep you away from source and push you deeper and deeper into dense material, deeper and deeper into physical matter. The Christic force is trying to go, no, man, that's not the answer. The answer is not to go deeper and deeper into form. The answer is to come out of form and go back to the source. So when we talk about the Catholic Church, and it's not even that they created it on purpose. It could have been that that serpent on the inside was a mistake. Think about how even more profound that would be, that they didn't even know. Somehow they created this symbol because the force, and maybe they did know, maybe they created it on purpose, but the, but the point is that are, that's... Are you, are you questioning that? That was made on purpose. The other option is it's totally an accident, and that's how powerful this satanic force is, that the symbols are passed through time and, and our generations without any conscious behavior by the people who are acting out or influenced by the energy is satan real oh what the fuck it's a it's a name of a of a A energy right okay okay, that we're talking energy is real 
I think know? when you truly believe, though, like when you lay down in bed and your heart is truly, you know, is fucking really pure and true to God, he fucking will take care of you. He knows. You just have to believe, dude. You have to have faith that no matter what happens, you'll be okay because he's not going to let you down because you've never been because you've always you're you're not dying. You're he's taking care of you and you probably live in a house with a nice roof over your head, a car. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you have those things in this world, come on, dude. You're fucking way ahead of the game. Because there's people eating mud pies, bro. Well, we live, especially in this country, we live like royalty lived back in... I mean, we live in small castles, literally. Pretty much. I mean, and the small castles we live in today are way more comfortable than they were <laughs> a thousand years Fuck. ago. We have air conditioning and running yes, water. Dude. We can run a bathtub, a hot bath. I, know. I mean, Jesus. Our fu- dude, it was only, what, 30 fucking years ago, you had to fucking wash your clothes on that fucking board. I mean, not 30, oh, yeah, but exactly. now we got fucking pop, one fucking button, dude. That shit folds your laundry. <laughs> you know? It's incredible. <laughs> it's incredible. You've studied Eastern religions, right? A little bit, yeah. Buddhism and Hinduism and... What do you I, think? I'd like to know more about Hinduism. I feel like that's where my calling is, even yeah. though I don't really know too much about it. I have a, I always have a calling to those images and, and to what I've heard about it. I always think like that's something I need to explore. When, when I've had, uh, entity contact on DMT and other psychedelics, one of the things that I remember about it the most, it's hard to describe it because it's been so long and you can never even describe it even right after you've experienced right. it, right? But, I remember it feeling very like seeing the splendor of the Hindu yeah. God. And when I see images, like for example, there's a very famous like Hindu image of like a face and there's like infinite faces on both sides. It's like, I've seen yeah. that in the psychedelic state. And if you read about, if you go into the Vedas and you read, I mean, they are describing the psychedelic experience. So to me, it's the closest thing to the truth what because they, taking? they wrote hymns to a drink called Soma. And we're not exactly sure what Soma is, but it was most likely a psychedelic. So they have no idea how to find out what it was? I mean, there's, you know, some speculation of what it could have been. Where would it have been? In India? Yeah, and it was in, you know, that area, India. Some kind of poppy tea. They, some people think it was a mushroom, but, you know, there's some people who think Jesus was a mushroom. There was a guy, his name was John Allegro. He was actually one of the world's top people for like translating ancient languages. Like he was top of the field. So some kid found the Dead Sea Scrolls. So remember, we're talking about like apocryphal books. There's like books that, well, why were they left out of the Bible? Well, some of those books are in the Dead Sea Scrolls. So we knew at least that ancient Christians were reading those books. Compiling so this kid took those scrolls to that guy? Uh, well, some kid found him, brought him to like his grandfather or something. He was like selling him in the on the black market for like nothing, for like pennies. Or, he was actually selling the jars. He he was selling the jars with the scrolls inside. And he was selling the jars for like dirt cheap. Then they found out he was probably like a fucking like <clears throat> just like it is today, <laughs> crackheads fucking selling. Yeah. Well, then they found out that the scrolls were actually worth like a ton of money. Oh yeah, dude. But whatever. Most of the scrolls haven't even been opened. Really. Most of the scrolls haven't even been opened, Why would dude, they not open because them? they can't, because they're so degraded that, like, they'll disintegrate upon opening them. Like, You're kidding me. No, no. But, but anyway, when, when they found them, they got a team together to translate the scrolls. And one of the guys they got to work on it was John Allegro. So he works on deciphering the scrolls and he writes a book called The Sacred Mushroom and the Cross. Which is basically a book that says that the scrolls say clearly that Jesus was not a real person, that he was a psychedelic experience or a mushroom itself. It says that in the Dead Sea Scrolls. That's what he claims. John 
John Allegro, who was, he was prestigious. And then as soon as he wrote the book about it, after he discovered it, he became like ostracized from the community. People wrote tons of books about like what a sham he is and he got pushed out of the community. There you go. Well, that's a very deep, somebody's right and somebody's wrong. Okay, no but it may be that he wasn't towing the line, so he, he loses his career, which is what happens in the scientific community. Yeah, it's weird, man. Problem- why the fuck were these scrolls up in okay, his but caves, wait, wait, bro? but Well, because they were hiding them. Because at the time, the Romans were like trying to destroy Christianity because they perceived it as a but threat. But this is, what is the Dead Sea Scrolls exactly? It is a, it is a collection. It's the Bible. It's Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. It is That's the Bible. That's what the Dead Sea Scrolls are? Yes. Within the scrolls, there are books that are left out of our modern Bible. So, for example, the Book of Enoch is in the scrolls, which means that early Christians were reading the Book of Enoch as if it was scripture. It's the oldest that we've found. Right. I'm going to need to do some research on this because yeah. I need to actually know more about this. The idea that with John Allegro is that he's saying that the scrolls are claiming that Jesus was a mushroom experience, that he was an allegory for the psychedelic state, the cleansing that happens so through the psychedelic process. After Jesus. The earliest version of the New Testament. Right. Of the Bible, of the complete Bible. All right, but anyway, mushroom Jesus, dude. I like this idea, you know, because it's like I've I think it feels like Christ, right? You know? I know you've you've mentioned that a few times, so I, I believe that that's partly part of the core and basis, uh, you know, that fucking core of your your death cult is yeah. going to be that kind of that feeling. <laughs> yes. Right. I mean, do you believe Jesus was a, he was a real person? I mean, I think most likely, sure. We know for for a fact that the man mentioned in the Bible as pontificating over his trial and sentencing him to death was Pontius Pilate. Right. Okay. We know Pontius Pilate was a real person. We know he was like the prefect of that area of Rome. What do they like, have as far as knowledge on that? Their the, books? Definitely books. We know Pontius Pilate was a real person. We know that he lived in that area. The question is, was jesus a real person the reason that there's all this question is because jesus never wrote anything himself now his his apostles wrote books about him but people question that they were allegorical you know and and if you want to question that possibly it was a mushroom experience you could say that would be how they would write the allegory because it would be just like back then it would be the same as now where these are drugs these are not considered okay you know you have to hide it inside of metaphorical language that only other people who know who are enlightened would hear it and everybody else wouldn't know what the fuck they're talking about i mean you got to remember that in catholicism when you take communion you are eating a cracker that's supposed to give you literally the word communion means connection with god now when you eat a cracker you don't actually commune with god but when you eat a mushroom you definitely do and remember not only that but the first book of the bible is adam and eve in the garden and they eat a fruit that opens their eyes to good and evil this is psychedelic experience knowledge from medicine you know the staff of asclepius this is a modern symbol right this staff is symbolic of medicine and wisdom so listen this connection between medicine and wisdom to this day we use this as a medical symbol right the rod of asclepius this is the staff that hermes and toth carried it has a serpent entwined around a stick these gods hermes toth these were gods of wisdom they brought sacred wisdom to you. Right. Now, isn't it interesting that the, the God that brings you wisdom is symbolized by a serpent? Just like in the first book of the Bible, when the serpent is the one offering the wisdom of good and evil. Okay. You know, the bringer of the knowledge is through the medicine. That's how you get sacred knowledge is by ingesting a sacrament. You know, we've lost what's so important about the ingestion of sacrament. That's an essential part of religious experience. 
I really would like to do some shrooms or DMT like right now. In my life where I'm at, I, I, I would welcome the fucking challenge of going in a deep fucking hypnotic psychedelic dream world for like six hours where my brain is doing nothing but processing all kinds of colors and images and fractals and the meaning of life you know like, yeah i mean you don't have to do it a lot no i you know. only have to do it like once every few years yes even. absolutely Guys, twice a year would be good if you knew it, the i think twice a year would be great but it yeah. could almost be too intense sometimes you're d- I mean, yeah, it takes some months to come down. I think. Listen, man, it like I have to muster the courage to do it in the first place. Yeah, so I know you know why because you understand its power. <sighs> you know, there's gods who are the same in different religions, but they go by different names. So Toth and Hermes are the same god. I've read a bunch of hermetic books, and they're literally like the closest I've ever read to totally getting it. Yeah, what there's are they one called? The Divine Pinemander. Pinemander. So Hermes, it's Hermes Trismegistus. It means the the thrice great Hermes. There's a bunch of books that are attributed to the same person. So the Emerald Tablets of Toth were another book that was supposedly written by Toth. And the interesting thing about Hermes and Toth is that when you read their books, all of these books that are supposedly attributed to them, because some of them probably aren't. Some of them are probably just people wrote them in their names and shit. Who knows if they were even real people, obviously. But they're all trying to express that what it is, what Hermes is or Toth is, is like the everlasting personality. It's like the one who is awakened at any possible time. So as you're reading, it's not just like you're reading the words of Hermes. It's that you are Hermes, right. awakened today, reading the words that you wrote gotcha. in the past to catch up with yourself gotcha. so that you can continue the journey. It's like Wizard of Oz shit. Yeah, it really is Wizard. This is fucking Wizard shit for sure. What about Wizards, bro? Uh, the day I found out I could be a Wizard in real life was like the greatest day yeah, ever. I mean, a Wizard's a shaman. A Wizard's a fucking witch doctor. A Wizard's a lot of things. I mean, we wouldn't even have modern medicine if it wasn't for... Probably not. They have all these books. The Book of Ceremonial Magic. The Sixth Book of Moses. The Book of the Sacred Magic of Abramel and the Mage. That's a good one. That, really? In this book, Aleister Crowley performed this ritual. It's a book that tells you how to summon demons and then bind the demons, like enslave the demons to you so that you have control over them and they'll do your bidding. That's what the whole book is about. And it's a ritual that lasts over a year. You have to purify yourself every day and do all these things. So Aleister Crowley bought this little house out in the middle of nowhere and went out there to do the ritual and then ended the ritual before it was over. And anecdotally, the story says that he was like plagued by demons for the rest of his life because he never finished. Why didn't he try to finish later? Something came up and he had to leave the house and it doesn't, I don't know, maybe he did try, but it doesn't matter because that's what it's about. If it has control over you, right. in his mind, he was like, fuck, dude, I didn't finish it. And that's why it affected him in a negative way. Because if he believed it couldn't affect him, it wouldn't have. But, you know, there's a story about Aleister Crowley that he was trying to show off his powers to his friends, his occult powers. And they were walking down the street and he dropped down to his knees. And the guy that was like 10 feet ahead of him and his friend fell down to his face. It's like, imagine you had that much control over the physical world. You know? And that was it's an anecdotal story. Right. Who knows if it's true. But... Mr. Crowley. I'm curious if the whole fucking fairies is real. Cause I've heard a okay, lot of things. So this is something that. I wanted to get into actually. Well, we're going to talk, we're, we might do like a whole episode about aliens or something, but like, and we'll talk about entities and stuff. I can't talk about aliens, dude. All right. I, I get I've been it. abducted. I, I told I, you I that. Understand. I don't want to talk about my experience. 
It's traumatic. I was. It triggers bro. you. I get it. Why don't you believe me when I tell you that? I was abducted and raped. So what about the fairies? I mean, what do you think that is? They were watching. Uh, I think they're real. <laughs> what does that mean? I think there's fairies. I think there's little tiny little fairies that you can't see. And I say this because I've heard, I would say at least two different things that I've read and videos that I've watched on people that were in another dimension that said that there's fairies that are small that you can't see them. And they are in another dimension, but they're around us. So that could be complete fucking Yeah, but bullshit. who said they look like Tinkerbell? Uh, I might have been throwing that in, in there, but I think it's... That's what she said. They, she said they were tiny. They had wings. They were like Tinkerbell. So, I mean, this, this came some, multiple times in the podcast. I, we came back to this where it's like the words that people are using. This is the same thing with the channeling. There is a reality that people are describing and then the words that they use are wrong. The reason that it's, it's a problem, the words are a problem, is that when you say fairy, you think of Tinkerbell. Okay. The truth is that there are entities. The same entity that people are calling fairies are the same entity that people are calling leprechauns are the same entity that people are calling aliens or the same entity that people are calling angels. So, so the universal phenomenon is that people across cultures are experiencing entities that are unseen and they've described them in all these different ways. Yeah. Right. Aliens, demons, leprechauns, gnomes. And it's, and, and what boggles me a little bit is that I've had a lot of conversations with a lot of people in my life and nobody else has ever experienced any of these things. Like well, people who've taken DMT. When I was in Mexico, I was I was traveling to swim in the cenotes. You know what a cenote is? It's like a big underground cave where the Mayans used to like throw sacrifices in and shit. There's like bones of bodies and gold and shit at the bottom of some of them. Now, as you as you go to the cenotes, they're taking you in literally like a horse drawn little buggy. Literally, a horse is taking us. This guy he speaks Spanish. I've got a translator. The guy I'm staying with, and he's telling us this story. There are little. He, and and my translator was like, I don't know how to translate it. And he eventually translated as gnomes. Mm. Okay. And he said, there's like little things, gnomes that are in the forest, but you can't see them. But we know they're there because the shamans tell us for it was always the shamans who were seeing them. They were always seen the same way they're seen today in high states of consciousness. Okay, this is the Book of the Dead. It's on papyrus scrolls. It has been translated into English. You could read it. And it describes how you help a soul, after a person dies, ascend through the different levels of the afterlife so that they could cross over to the other side. Now, in the 60s, when Timothy Leary and Richard Alpert were taking LSD at Harvard, they published the Book of the Dead with commentary because what they would do is they would take high doses of LSD, like one of them would lay down, take high doses of LSD, and then the other one would read the Book of the Dead to them so that they could use it as a way to ascend through you're the lying, dude. levels of consciousness. I'm not. I'm telling you. Let's read that book. Yeah. That's, what the fuck book is that? There's something to this. In every religion, there's a, there's something about consuming a sacrament. You have to consume a sacrament. You have to drink a drink. You have to eat something. There's a reason for this, dude, because this is what connects us with it. And it's one thing to say we can accomplish this in other means. It's possible that people under other circumstances will achieve it yeah but um, that's my my whole art thing was yeah if that's what you're talking about there yeah of course always psychedelics yeah who gives a fuck if you can get there meditating but people have all sorts of weird experiences on psychedelics dude people are taking ayahuasca and they're claiming that they're cured of cancers that they were told by doctors were incurable you know i mean what is that and and it's true people take ayahuasca and they're cured people are saying that (laughs) 
Listen to this. This is a Gaia article. It's titled, Scientists Want to Know More About DMT Entities People Encounter. DMT is one of the most potent entheogens known to man, and the trip it induces is significantly different than other psychoactive substances. Users describe being transported to a distant realm where they meet seemingly autonomous entities, and often those same entities appear to different people. Now, researchers are attempting to catalog these experiences to figure out just what or who those DMT entities are. You know, before I was experiencing any of this shit on psychedelics, the first weird experiences I ever had were totally sober. I was having sleep paralysis on dmt they're always telling me do you see they're showing you something speaking like this like language that it's literally like they're speaking reality into existence the language that they're speaking is creating the world and if you try to to read it or speak it it comes out as glossolalia you know i mean what are we talking about humans have been trying to find god from from the beginning if if you have a tool that can reliably create the experience of communion with the divine then that seems to me the most valuable tool I mean, that's the only that's no the, i'm not saying it's the only way but no, it is well, it's the only surefire way you have to train your pineal gland you have to train your thought process to be on that level i think listen i think that's always the first step whether it's just easy accessible or not i don't know if in fact like imagine this you know dmt is this little like powdery substance whatever waxy crystal if in fact you can reliably use DMT to actually, like, we discover that we are actually communicating with, let's say, like, aliens on another, on the other side of the universe, let's just say. Right. Like, scientists figured out, like, it's actually real. There's aliens on the other side of the universe. This molecule helps us connect to them. That would be the most important thing ever. It would be the most important thing. Of course it would. So I think we should pay more attention when all these people are claiming to have these experiences. Bro, I was I was with you on that. <laughs> I was with you on that. Four. Why is this not more common knowledge? Where why we're not making DMT on a level that we're making marijuana? Well, because like, the reason for that is because back in the '60s they were doing all these studies with LSD, and Timothy Leary and Richard Alpert got so excited that they started just giving LSD to all the students. People now that understand DMT, that that should be able to be passed. Well, it is. Do you know that the FDA just approved MDMA as a treatment for post-traumatic stress disorder? It's going into stage two trials, MDMA. So they're going to be using ecstasy in clinical settings. Have you ever heard of the Eleusinian Mysteries? What is it? Eleusinian Mysteries. Eleusinian Mysteries. They span two millennia. It was thousands of years this was going on. Okay, this was happening in Greece. Basically, the idea was everybody in the world was supposed to come and experience the mysteries once in their life. You could come if you were a slave, if you were a free man, if you were a king, a peasant, it didn't matter. You were supposed to come at least once. And the story goes that the people would all get together, they would take this trek up this mountain, and they would drink a drink called kakion. We know all of the ingredients but one. So they would drink some kind of sacred drink, and then they would go into this room where they would behold something. Now, some archaeologists say that what they beheld was a statue of a phallus. Right. Or, you know, a statue of a vagina or something. But the truth is... Yeah, the front hole. But the truth is that it was most likely a psychedelic experience that they were having. Now, let me give you some evidence of that. First of all, this is the era of Plato and Socrates and Plato and Socrates and all these other Greek philosophers were members of this cult and had participated in the mysteries. One of them famously said, the great thing about the mysteries is that the participants weren't taught 
but they beheld the truth. So that's one example of how it could be describing a psychedelic experience. Another is that there was a man who was actually prosecuted and almost put to death for providing the mysteries to his dinner guests, which basically meant wow, he was yeah. tripping at home right. with his friends. Okay, You weren't friends. allowed to do that. You had to wait until the ceremony and shit. Right. Because it was like a super holy thing. I mean, it, was, it sounds to me like it was a psychedelic experience and lasted for 2,000 years. You know, the Oracle at Delphi, do you know who that who that is? Yeah. Uh, it's funny that you say that because I was literally looking up information on the Delphi and I was like looking at ruins and everything, bro. How weird is that? Yeah, exactly. Well, what's interesting about the Oracle of Delphi is that the records say that she literally sat over a fissure inside the ground that some gas was coming out from. Interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah. And it was obviously getting her high. And that's how she was able to access the spiritual realms that she would Is then, that what they're saying? The historians who wrote about it, they said that she sat over a fissure that gas emanated from. Okay. And, you know, even today, the Dalai Lama, he is advised by oracles who go into a trance to give him information from the spirit side. Literally, they're like, you know, they're all tripping out. Literally. And why and can't he do them himself if those he's a Dalai Lama? Well, I mean, good question, but it's like it's probably more it comes down more to do with tradition or something. Do you know what a siddha is? No. So a siddha is like a magical power. Like literally in Hinduism, when you become enlightened, you you gain magical powers. In the beginning, siddhas can be simple. Like some people might be around you and they might be like, man, that guy like reads people's minds. It's like he always knows what I'm thinking. Well, but it may just be that you understand human nature at such a deep level that you know what people are thinking. Right. It's not that you're reading their mind, but that's an example of a siddha, right? It's these spiritual abilities that you gain on the path to enlightenment. I don't know, man. If, if I had to, if somebody said, you have to pick right now, do you believe in all of that or do you not? I guess the truth is, is there's just levels to it because you can believe it up to a certain point and then you're allowed to believe it's a complete farce. But somewhere in the middle of that, it could be the truth. And I'm okay with that, dude. I'm okay with being in the middle of... Yeah. Well, you never actually can get to the answer. You're, you're constantly chasing this infinitely evolving... Yeah. Yeah, we always think, well, if we just do this, we'll be right where we want to be. And we never are, dude. You'll never get to, you just have you're to. You're on constantly. the precipice constantly. It's like you're almost there, but you're infinitely far away. You're, you're never going to actually get there, but you're always right there about to get it. Anything that I say, the opposite is also true because yeah. paradox of the nature is paradoxical and the paradox can be complementary. Like here's an example, right? If you take two emotions like anxiety and excitement, Typically, we'll think that these are two separate emotions. And they're actually the exact same feeling. Opposites are complementary. They're not actually opposite. They're actually the same thing. They're just two ends of the same spectrum. Okay, the same thing. Excitement and anxiety. If I experience that feeling and I react to that feeling in fear, I experience anxiety. If I have that feeling and I react to that feeling in love or surrender... I am excited. I experience right. it as excitement. The feeling is the same thing. Now, the way that I respond to the feeling depends on whether it's going to manifest as excitement or anxiety. Yeah, of course. So there's a cool quote that I like. It says, to know the face of God is to know madness. Usually, a wizard is going to be totally nuts. You know, in when I was talking about people dancing around a fire and shit, but it's like the earliest religions were shamanistic. In our culture, if you have a kid who has an imaginary friend, 
what do we do? We send him to a psychiatrist and we tell him he's all fucked up. But in a tribal society, if you have a child who's exhibiting those kinds of behaviors, he's talking to spirits and shit, then you take him to the shaman's hut and he becomes a shaman and he right. learns how to communicate with the fucking gods and, you know, he becomes a, a influential member of society. Right. Yeah, it's the same with schooling here, bro. When kid says he's this or that, we dismiss it because it's not what society fits into his to our agenda. You never really get to know your true self. So, like, we were talking about myths. Yeah. thing is that the people who created the myths, they knew that they were esoteric concepts. The people who created the myths knew that they were symbolic. But then the masses are the ones who start to believe that the myth is true, and then they don't ever get the actual truth. I mean, we we have this thing inside of us where we just create the same myth in different stories throughout history. I mean, the myth is, it's you. The story is, you're the one. You're the fallen hero. You're the one who is the one who falls and fucks up, and then you get, you pick yourself up, and you fight the dragons and the demons, and somehow you make it through. Think about Star Wars. Think about the myth of Star Wars. Like, you could take that book, and there is actually a religion called Jedism. Yeah. But you could take that book, and it contains everything you need for a fully functional mythology. For sure. You know, you're talking about Scientology and if it's real or not. It doesn't matter that it's real. You could take Star Wars and make a fully fleshed out religion yeah. based on that philosophy. I, I really do. That's the one thing I want to know is just let me know what's where I'm going. What's the next stage? Literally in the other part, you're like, I'm content with not even knowing. I'm content. <laughs> I'm like, just talking shit. But I mean, come on. That's the one thing. It's like a death row inmate getting this last meal. It's like, yeah. Okay, I've been granted my one wish from all the turmoil I had to live through my life. God has granted me one wish. What is it, my son? What would you like to know from God? Where the fuck am I going now? Do you know what this means? What? This is the start of your cult. <laughs> this is the initial seed that is being... Look, and you just did it. You just did it. Can it be? Can it be? Could fucking well be, yes. <laughs> it could be that you just fucking literally broke the code for that because that's something I would have never ever thought unless somebody pointed out to me. And now that you pointed out to me, I absolutely see that that's like, yeah, uh, you're on to something, dude. That's very interesting. dreams can come true. Your desires can be met. And your sin will be paid for in blood. But if you'd like to join the cult or get any material regarding what we do, just write in, man. We'll give you all the info you want. Very easy to join. Sign your life over, but uh, you know, it's worth it. I think that's good, man. Because we had a lot of good shit.